To me, being in this band and creating an album, it's like Bed Frame is the drummer. Everything is going to be supported on, on that. I know, dude. You do well. Too much acid. Like, like we're thinking like Pink Floyd animals, like where they have the dog barking, but we're gonna have like a cat, like. Hey, how we doing? Hey, can you see me? Um, not yet, not yet. I can um, hear you though. Let me see. Hmm. Let's try now. Oh, you're magnificent! Now? Looking well, my friend. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm such a uh, just a, such a grandpa, grandma. I immediately noticed the first thing is like you're just very healthful, you know. And I think, if I may, you just like you've been out, you've been out jogging or something. You, you've got the kind of the thinner face. What's going on? Wow. Oh, I don't know. I guess um, probably eating a lot more healthfully. Definitely okay. haven't been jogging. Okay. Been out in the sun a lot. The weather's been amazing, so been out in the sun a lot. I guess a lot of time outdoors. But it's, I'm glad to hear you think that I look well because I thought I was. I got up really late, went to bed really late, and I thought I was gonna look like I was on my deathbed. So. Nah, I would say compared to like the the revolver, and this isn't just smoke blowing because like there there was an. <laughs> stuff on my end where it's like you sort of overcompensate it's like straight up like vibe wise you just look i would say a good five six years younger than in that yeah in the revolver interview you had this um really amazing um uh vest on and just this vibe of like you know what have you ever seen an interview with like um you know brian froud for example like yeah you know doing his thing living in rural devon just like and but now like and especially and I see the tattoos, it's like, oh man, he's like you wound back the clock and it's like you're in kind oh, of Oh thank like bless a, you, thank you. You look fantastic. I, um, funny the thing with that, um thank you. The 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 vest thing. I haven't worn it for a while, I need to bring it back. I, yeah. I found it in a thrift store somewhere around here, I've got no idea of the origin of it. And um but I started wearing it, maybe because I wore it in that documentary yeah and it's one of those things it's a kind of bit of a power garment that you feel yeah. a bit of a suit of army you know you put it on and you feel powerful with it mm. and um i don't know just like like anything that any you know whatever just you know everyone wears things that's some sort of a costume isn't it of what they yeah. think is gonna give I, them I, some strength and power whatever whatever that could, could be a tracksuit it could be anything you know but uh, to suggest a band they like or a sport they like or an identity they, they feel. But with that vest, that was definitely mine, you know, and um, I'd wear it for certain things. But then I remember going to, uh, I hadn't realized that it would become an identifiable thing, <laughs> yeah. maybe a video. I went out to Roadburn Festival um, a few years. I mean, I've done it every year and we do a big print show there. And I went out a couple of years ago and showed up and I, didn't have the vest i wore i wore a different one i wore a denim one didn't think anything of it and i showed up and all weekend people were coming up saying where's all my art artist friends and 
people coming to the convention was saying to me like where's the vest and i was like what, what are you talking about i'm wearing, I'm wearing one you know they're like no the one you know the one with all the you know yeah. the uh what do you call it it's like the um pyro uh, it's, it's very addition burnt in you know and and uh it's got a deer on the back of it and you got type yeah i don't know the origin yeah, people yeah, yeah. yeah so I got this disappointment in people. <laughs> people who came to see me, there's a disappointment because I'm not wearing the, that's the like, trademark. That's like going it's like up if to, you went to see, yeah, you know, you go first. If you saw like Slash from Guns N' Roses and he didn't have that top hat on, you yeah. know, you'd be gutted. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I saw oh, yeah. some disappointment that I didn't expect from not wearing that that uh, that vest. But, well, yeah, I, I need. To, I, I mean, the winter's. We've just kind of hit autumn now, so the the uh, the leaves are just turning and it's starting to suddenly feel colder. So I think I need to bring mm. the vest back now. I as well as being a grandpa, grandma, like who's like, look at your health. Look, how are you? Are oh, you looking fantastic? <laughs> I I, uh, I also am. Um, I, I I love nomenclature and I love etymology and just uh, what you mm. just conjured there. I, I I'm speaking actually directly to our listeners, which you know, welcome to them too. Like. Uh, so you have created such a, I would say like a, a vibe universe. You don't have like a, unless you're working on one, which would collectively cause everyone to drop whatever they're doing and like, and freak out. Like, cause Brian Froud, for example, he has a, he has a, a connected kind of universe that like what he paints is everything's from there and it's all connected. Um, but uh, people following along and enjoying and really cherishing and, and relishing your art uh, to hear just that word, um, you know, autumn at Richie Beckett's house. Like I see that that's almost like a prog rock <laughs> title because, because, you know, people, we, they got, I know they got their glimpse at, yeah. um, uh, with the, with the revolver footage, but uh, yeah, you've created, yeah. Yeah, especially that footage of you just like at late at night, just working at it. It's just, I'm sure because of how long and meticulous your work is. And I, I know some, some about it. It's not cross hatching with my stuff. It's, it takes a lot of, mm. it takes a long time, but definitely not as long as, and as meticulous as cross hatching. So yeah, that's kind of mm. cool. Yeah, I I think that in that, in terms of that creating of a world, you mean as in like the environment that I work in? Yeah, like if you were if you were to say that, for example, with the maidens that you that you depict and and the shamans and the warriors and mm. the the pagan imagery, that if you were you know to do what you know, Brian Froud is like, well, all of them are fairies that come from the same place and they all know each other and da 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 da. So. Right. I mean, I do envision that for you. Yeah, I also, I also have a producer hat on, so I'm like a Richie Beckett's world of creatures and there's a, there's visions. A, yeah, there's two sides to that for me, which is one, I do, um, in terms of the, what you've described, the environment and seeing, seeing that, you know, seeing where I live and what's around me and what's been, the things that I share publicly of that and things that have come up in you know, videos and what have you, there's, um, it definitely... As, a, as an artist it serves me you know in a real sense it serves me well to have that as part of my overall overarching identity to have you know the the visual aspect of the environment feeding into the work and people really respond to, to that um and you, you know it could be seen as a very str- i mean it's curated in a way by me i suppose how much i share but in terms of that as a brand for myself is I feel it's very real, you know, yeah. it's not some, it's not, it's, I can honestly say confidently that it's not created as a brand is created as a, as a, even though it, it works as that for me to create an, you know, a, it's not conscious. Like it just feels like, who I am as artist, but, but yeah. it's very real. And I, you know, in terms of, you know, I'm 
always out here every day exploring new places and some I only document tiny little moments of it to share with people and uh, it's always very warmly received by the the main reason you know one of the main reasons I do it is because I get a lot of people message me saying you know they live in cities built up areas suburban areas they don't get the chance to see some of the you know see nature so often and as frequently as maybe I do living in the up out in the hills and that's um, beautiful so it's really lovely because I would never have really thought of it that way you know and originally I would just post this stuff to tie in with the artwork and um but people really respond to it and I think then that ties in also they you know they might get a similar sense of escapism through the artwork so both of those things but in terms of that then creating a a, a world and that it, yeah it feels for me to say it feels kind of no, pretentious to think of it you need to way. own it but you need it to is, own it because but it is there's a truth to it in terms of um there's a very real link there in the inspiration from the environment and you know a very real link in terms of going out seeing things observing shapes and patterns and forms and life forms and life cycles and then having that be echoed and then actually you know that's the I've got tons of, I've got bookcases full of books and, um, you know, I watch documentaries, I listen to other artists, I look at other artwork, but the, the thing that primarily informs what I do just because it's so powerfully present is, is those things, you know, nature okay. and the environment. Okay. And mm. that there's nothing, you know, I can look at books of patterns and shapes and forms, but there's, you know, it's like that um, Blomfeld that art forms in nature you know like the most powerful forms are all there for us already you know and yeah. if i if i go out walking i can step out into the forest or walk up the hill and within seconds find something that's legitimately inspiring where i kind of I look at the shapes and i want to go home and play with that shape and see what i can do with it and see what see how i could incorporate it or what it might mean or learn something from it about distance and pattern and all of those things you're a channel yeah you channel Mm -hmm. you channel what's there and 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 you you kind of you kind of almost take nature get out of the way and you sort of channel those beautiful timeless ever shifting shapes it's very resonant with with what i do and uh, i think the best most Mm. timeless artists and even my fiance she does like leadership kind of um, and emotional intelligence stuff she's like i'm actually not inventing anything i'm just seeing what's there and then through through this conduit of richie it finds this Pure I think there's a there's, there's a um, there's something about making art or music or film or any any creative form. You know, it's it is about channeling and and curating something, whether it's from another artist and then channeled through you as as a response to that, inspired by it, or whether it's taken from nature or some external thing. You know, I know that people say you know that art should come from within you, but there's something about I think the the best, most vibrant, exciting, interesting stuff comes more from actually bouncing off something else, kind of vibrating against something well, else. Yeah. So whether that's another art or something external in, in, in the world or in nature. You need that flint. There's you know that imagery of you need... Kind of dead end off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need... I was going to say... We're all that. related. You know, we are all related and, and, there's, and we're all linked. And when you try and... I definitely have been through those periods and learned from it, you know, that... Uh, working in isolation in a vacuum is can actually kind of kill you off as a you know you kill off your inspiration and your your uh, to create things you know that coming up with that idea of oh I need to I'm an artist I need to just create something that is purely mine and purely comes from this one place 
um, with, without taking inspiration from things can, can be uh, quite destructive actually, or just, just a dead end really. You know, I don't think, I think we, we kid ourselves into thinking that every film, you know, filmmakers and musicians and things were influenced by avoid in isolation, just pulled something out of, you know, yeah. their ass or something, but actually they, um, if you dig a bit deep, you'll always find that, you know, or there was, what was it the other day I found something, hmm, it might come to me, this, you know, when you, it's always encouraging actually when you find a, an artist or filmmaker and then you trace back and find that origin of like, oh, actually they were just trying to um, emulate their favorite artist or yep. they took inspiration from something else or they tried to kind of rewrite this song in their own way, you know, and um, it's the originality yeah. fallacy. It's it's a complete. Uh, it's a, a side effect of a little bit of um, pedestalizing that we do uh, and exceptionalizing that. In some way, it's as ridiculous as saying, "Oh, bread! I just think of it and it appears. I don't need all the ingredients that yeah. go into bread because yeah. I'm the guy <laughs> who makes bread." It's like every yeah. every from artists to everyone, they need the fuel, and the fuel is the lived experience, yeah. and it is that interaction. First of all. Um, another thing you've made people smile about is because when you you come back to nature and and i've this isn't like hippy dippy stuff is like the the original og teacher for everything for how to be a bit a good person how to be balanced how to be open-minded how to encourage yourself to grow because nature never stops growing and coming up with variations for itself and that's how we should live and it's again it's you know and 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 your work that's why it's yeah yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, just just consistently adapting and and evolving. Obviously, you know, um, cha- you know the the thing that which um, there's such there's a strange thing that I that I've come to find since 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 living here and being more immersed in nature that people will see. You know, like I'll, if I I post a lot of imagery of, of skulls and bones and things that I find as much as I'll post images of trees and flowers and blossoms and fruits, you know, but, um, that, but there's something about this, the skulls where a lot of people then will send me messages or when, you know, speak to me about it and say, Oh my God, you're surrounded by so much death and how, you know, <laughs> why do you fight? Why do you keep finding these dead things? And as some sort of morbid curiosity about thinking that there's some, some darkness or negativity to it, or there's something kind of gross about it in some way. And it's funny because I definitely, I think I've always been this way anyway, but I don't feel that at all. And it doesn't even really occur to me in that moment. And But a big part of it is that as much as you might find those things, uh, you know, it, when, when people come and visit here and, and they have, in the, and even in the last few days, I've had friends come to visit and we'll go walking within minutes, we'll find, you know, something, you know, whether, you know, some sort of remains of some creature or what have you. And, but it's a constant cycle. It's never that that's never a dead end to anything. Cause if you pick it up and turn it over, you'll see bugs and beetles and moss and things growing on it and starting over and consuming it and finding new life from it. And you, yeah. you see that as not, not just in that, but in everything, this constant cycle turning over and overlapping. And like you said, it's inspiring to, to see that none of it is ever a dead end, even if see? something's, it's the fallacy of it being only, yeah, the fallacy of it being only one thing. So coming from that same place of being like, well, it's just this, it's just you. It's just, it's just coming from Richie, right? It's like, no, it's mm. Richie plus nature. And then instead of, and you know. learned, learned um, you know, uh, things that we've learned through our kind of uh, like hereditary of, of uh, ancestry that's been passed down through yeah. us 
physical things, that's a consistent ongoing cycle too. You know, like we don't realize how many methods and things we might have, you know, like there's people in my family who are artists and painters who maybe I've never spoken to about creating art, but perhaps gestures they've made and things they've learned subconsciously in me. You know, it's like the Rupert Sheldrake stuff about, you know, where animals can, can pass on knowledge through their uh, bloodline you know i'll have and to look him up is it it's that, a that's another children. overlapping thing yeah yeah and 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 uh, it's interesting uh, from the revolver um again it was uh, you and john you know from from baroness mm-hmm. uh he um i don't know if sometimes you've come across something where you had been percolating on the notion and then someone comes around and articulates it perfectly and then from then on you'll find you find yourself quoting that person because they mm-hmm. encapsulated uh, mini sidebar I once saw a documentary which I recommend it's called the esoteric agenda and I was in a space mm. it was 2008 I was in a space of quasi nihilism and a passage just one passage in the documentary said that um, they they brought the human they brought the waveform of uh, a human experiencing joy and they they looked at the electromagnetic signal of, of that parabola mm. and they lined that up with the actual structure of the human DNA because the, the DNA has its own parabolic measurements and they line that yeah. up and, and a human, a human being experiencing joy lines up at 90 points with a signal of, um, uh, you know, with the, with the DNA, which is electromagnetic yeah. scientifically proven proof that we are like, we are vessels of joy and meant to meant to feel joy. Uh, and we, we return, you know that, what I mean? Uh, yeah. I guess is that something to do with that, you know, you know, things have like natural res- um, resonance yes. levels and terminal velocities and things like that. And I suppose yeah. everything in nature and, and physics is constantly trying to reach a perfect balance of mm-hmm. movement. So maybe through evolution and the DNA has reached this certain conclusion. Yeah. And if we're living in a, a true uh, successful way, that that level will match, yeah. you know, just... just Can you believe that? It naturally should, you know, that there's some perfect pattern and balance. And that's why in nature, those patterns are repeated over and over and over. And that's what a beautiful example of that. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and, yeah. So that, and now I'm sure that that's maybe if it's taken root a little bit in, in that. I, and that's maybe something later on, you'll be like, well, you know, I was speaking with this one dude um, who had a blackout in, in Canberra <laughs> who, who made me late. I was, he was talking about this thing, esoteric agenda. And, and what that went on to inform is whenever I, because I have, I can sometimes lean towards, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm ex-army and so depression, anxiety, all that stuff. But the thing that kind of roots me back is like, wow, every um, inherent kind of energy that's happening universally is is trended towards warmth, trended towards growth. It's not trended towards uh, introversion. Well, inter- I'm an introverted, but it's not trended towards uh, like that self-annihilation of, of withdrawing into yourself to that yeah. extreme, you know? So um, yeah, that was definitely, just, yeah. No, you first. No, that's be- that, that, that example of um, uh, that example of the waveforms and the patterns. Thinking of it, you know, that is a beautiful thing. Like you said, to just capture, put in the back of your mind as yes. as, this, as a ref- Sometimes those little reference points, things you can carry as these little totems of inspiration to just check back in on and keep you on a good path. Um, that's a really good, simple vis- visual one as well. You know, where you can think, okay, to be to be feeling happy comfortable positive healthy to line up with what you know actually uh, lean into the flow of the river that i'm in you know like not yeah. not fighting otherwise you're fighting against it you know so it's like okay through encouraging myself to be happy then mm. i'm actually uh, 
moving with that existing waveform of the DNA and the, yeah. where we're going, you know? So, and just, and just yeah, to realize so that, that, yeah, please do yeah. use it. And that, that idea of that, you don't have to fight it and that your inherent default state that it returns to is like a, a, a healing and joy. Otherwise, and my thing that I would tack onto it is like, well, that makes sense for why wounds heal. That makes sense for why the body has a natural warmth to it is because we trend towards, and the thing is the two signals, it's like DNA is very densely packed. So it's, you know, uh, and a human being, like it's almost looks like the waveform of, of a laugh, like ha 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 ha. It just sort of looks like mm. someone, and then you line them up. But whereas the, the fear signal is really languid, it's sort of, it's sort of this stretched wow. out kind of like, Ugh. and, but so, Mm. But, but I love that the natural, and then that also matches the, the heartbeat, you know, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's that first thing, which we can do nothing. We can feel in the worst state. And yet this thing is just keeps on pumping and it's like, Hey, yeah, I'm just, that's amazing. you know, you can just sort yeah, of relax. Of the, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. The idea of the fear, the fear signal being uncomfortable and contradictory and then drawn out and kind of punishing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes so much sense too. And it's like, you know, where you've touched upon that, those, you know, feelings of, of anxiety or despair or, or, or depression, any of those things, you know, where definitely I've learned from living in potentially quite an isolated environment, you know, those things you can, if you let those things manifest and continue to sort of percolate within you and don't, deal with them you know of course they just they get worse and worse and worse and keeping them to yourself and then you know if you actually make that effort to go out to co and connect with people and actually move them you know start them moving and yeah, it's, it's, all, it's to do with that isn't it you know it's like not to like that long drawn out waveform yeah. of sadness is just, just yeah. sadness, it's, that's awful and, and the idea of actually getting some you know and and just that all those cycles i spoke about you know it's just uh keep stuff moving and flowing is, mm. is feels like the key for sure it does and 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 you yeah. and you you even started with it mentioning autumn is like humans are and nature is just mm. it's seasonal there's no fixed state in nature and that brings a yeah. lot of solace for people thinking that it's only ever going to be this way and i'm only this thing it's like yeah. you actually don't have any authority to say that because for millions of years before you and for millions of years hit like after you there will just continually be a thrum, a self-replacing, self-renewing, like nails mm. growing, hair growing. It's just, so yeah, you don't get, it, yeah. what's great is like, it takes it out of your hands. You don't get to have a say with whether or not mm. there will be a new day and there will be growth and there will be change. So it's like, oh, it's like a feeling yeah. of like, I can just, oh, I can relax knowing that like my natural state is that growth is going to happen. So, you know what? That is something that I really um, lean on as well at, at a couple of things one one is is from seeing that that change in the seasons something from living here this, again is that um i when when i lived in the city you wouldn't really see it's funny i keep i just keep coming back to talking about living here and i guess that's i'm realizing what an impact i love had on yeah that's talking about my work. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh you know living in the city you 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 see four seasons and that's kind of it, you know, they're very subtly represented because you might not see trees even, but you're like, okay, I know it's a bit colder because it's coming into autumn and we're heading towards winter. But, but here you see it constantly day by day, these really dramatic changes. Yeah. Even daily, you'll see a shift in, in, in everything. And um, I do ex referring to what you just said about the, uh, having that to actually be the thing that influences your habits and encourages you to change and move um, 
I've noticed it even the last few days because we've suddenly, there's been a definite shift. It's suddenly got colder, leaves have started to turn orange and um, we're coming into autumn. And I'm, I feel like I'm really ready to embrace that. I'm quite excited about it because we've had a really good summer weather-wise and I spent a lot of time outdoors and that's kind of difficult actually because even though it's beautiful you're inside and you've got these projects you know you should be drawing but you're looking outdoors and it's a beautiful <laughs> day and you're like oh I should be at the river for a swim because I might not be able to do it again this year or I should be up on the hill enjoying the, the sun you know but um that's actually kind of hard and <laughs> I find it difficult to work in the in the summer so now we're coming into the colder weather and it's raining today for the first time in a couple of weeks so I'm actually feeling really excited about the idea of having um earlier evenings i work better through the night anyway and, mm. and when it's darker so partly for that reason there's less distractions but um having having the the season change i feel really excited about embracing it and because i know it's going to be a really prolific time for work you know more time because i can mm. really get in those zones and 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 uh yeah the long i i really like the long nights for working but each you know each uh each season has its own benefits and I, I love seeing that change and, and continually, you know, that's definitely a cycle that you can continue to embrace and feel mm. inspiration. And the, the, the other thing I was thinking is that what you touched upon of, of letting that external uh, force be a thing where you can actually be kind of a little bit about the control you have of, of your life or anything around you because you're just you know riding on the back of this much larger creature you know it's like yeah. the, this this whole cycle all of these things around you are out of your control as much as you want to believe you're controlling your life and the way i tr i use that to uh, comfort myself sometimes is if i'm in a if i'm in a bad state with something or other you know if i'm here and i'm struggling with a, a project that i feel that i haven't fulfilled my potential on or or something deeper you know it could not even art related but it, it, as an example <clears throat> i might be in the studio working on something and it's really it's not working out the way i want it it's all falling apart and i feel like i've uh, let someone down or let myself down or whatever the scenario is if i step out the door and i walk up on the hill and uh, meet a uh, horse up there or something and have a little bit of a commune with 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 these animals and sit there for a minute and look out at the vastness of it and the mountains is you can very quickly almost laugh at yourself and, and the amount that you've worried about this very tri very trivial very matter trivial. where you realize you're like okay this this horse doesn't know anything about this project i'm working on does not care does not know anything about the people i'm working with or doesn't know about my shit doesn't yeah. know about all of the you know this this horse this horse has not heard a single record or seen a single movie that concerns me or done any of these things in my world but he's getting on and he's got you know uh you know a partner and a foal and this environment around him and his own agenda and <laughs> you, there's something it. about witnessing all of that and looking out across all of these things going on and then looking in the grass and finding a tiny little bug and thinking about him and his life you know and yeah it doesn't take that's long valid. to look at those things and then realize oh my god my my concerns over like oh my god i I, did, I didn't draw this picture as well as i thought i might <laughs> it seems so <laughs> trivial and silly and kind of adorable in a really dumb way you know you're just kind of like well that's cute it. you know you're worrying about this thing so sometimes it can kind of reset you and then come back to the studio and think okay let's not get bogged down and <laughs> beating myself up over this thing because it's actually um it is important but only 
to the people concerned at this moment in time and you know readdress it so yeah it's that's a it's a good reset and i think if i was living in that chaos of city life you know or like working in an art studio in london or something and where you where can you go you know like if if you get into that place of anxiety and stress about work or anything you're like oh, what am i going to do i'm going to go and hit a bar or something or i'm going to go and ride on the subway or like you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah you need to chaos yeah and the thing is you know you were saying this thing about like the external but the external is the internal and and uh, the, those landscapes, those um, people actually I describe, I actually, it's not an icebreaker question, but one thing I find myself generally uh, riffing with people about is because we are like, and this isn't like a kooky thing either to say, it's we are kind of anthropomorphic universes because we have all of these possibilities, these dreams, these imaginations. So when people reduce themselves to a binary of like, I'm sad, need alcohol, or I'm the, if you, nothing like that, snapping to that, rather than, as you say, you open yourself up because we are, you're mm -hmm. kind of saying, hey, I'm through, through being in my own head for a lot, I, uh, for, for a, a, too much of a concentrated time where I am prioritizing the kind of uh, the, the constructs and the narratives more than yeah. the, more than the, and I've, I've worked with horses and they are extremely grounding creatures you know, because they're so, they're so them, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There's and, something really um, mystical. There's something strange. Specific. There's mm. there are wild horses on the hills, both sides, up up front here and back here, and and the the hills are quite fast, so that they they hang out in these groups of maybe ten, ten or more horses all different kinds because i think they've been kind of released onto the hills years ago they were some of them were probably working like one there's there's a couple of big sort of shire horses that maybe worked pulling trees or canal boats or something and um they've all been released on the hills but then the, you see them give birth and they so there's obviously generations of them there now who have just been wild but the, there's something very mystical about it because when you go you never know when you're going to bump into them, you know, so you'll go up on the hills and you might not see them for a couple of weeks. And then one day you'll be out walking, you'll come over the brow of the hill and suddenly you're surrounded by them and they're right there and they're, they're pretty chill. You can want, you know, you can walk up and get pretty close to them and sometimes they'll come over to you. Um, but this is some, as soon as you step into their environment in that space, uh, there's something very mystical and um, calming about it. Um, I've had some strange experiences with it. Um, uh, my partner Johanna, she, since she's been here, she's she said to me, you know, like there's something she has a strange connection with horses. She just starts crying as soon as she is in the presence of a horse, and then yeah. and she's told me this, and then I've seen it happen every time. <laughs> every time she'll just we'll we'll bump into the horses, and they'll kind of turn around, and she'll just be like, "It's <laughs> <No, laughs> to do with what you said. It's just this something really spe specific about them. This." Uh, this uh, wisdom yeah um, it's because well think of think of it um they've been unchanged phys physiologically for, for you know it's not as long as sharks i'm sure like there are some which also i have huge deference it's that 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 concept of deference to to that which has existed for longer than you been through more than you um mm -hmm. most certainly like like we're sleeping in beds with our clothes and everything and they just have this thing of yeah, they don't. They yeah. can't articulate, but they they speak. You know, ninety percent of communication is is body language anyway. And so, just their yeah. their how they just move and they flow and they're just 
yeah i i have a and that in fact that that what you said of them being unchanged mm. um is interesting thinking of the the what i mentioned earlier about the sort of uh rupert sheldrake thing of like the, the passing on uh through lineage of, of knowledge and experience you know so like we we we're, we're very concerned with our current day-to-day -day and our current times and we do you know we absorb our history lessons but not uh only in very limited capacity whereas you think of especially around here you know this is a place where the, you know there was a castle over here there would have been settlements things up on the hill here there would this we're right on the border so there would have been tons i know there were tons of battles right here you know like the river right by here there's the classic stories of you know the rivers run red with blood because there were so many people slain in battles here and so this has happened on this ground here and you can see you know there's remains of settlements and things uh, over hundreds and hundreds of years these horses were probably all still here and probably involved in that and have carried through this there's probably some interesting connection between when they're approached by people whether they could have been there you know their feelings towards that they could have ridden into battle with them or they could have been in great danger, you know, there's all yeah. in both sides. I mean, horses have had past lives too, you know, it's, it's as simple as mm. that. And there's, you know, and, but that's, um, yeah, that, that realm of, uh, going into, you know, totemic wisdom, like there's, there's a, I, I, and I, I sense because what you and I do, I mean, my, mine, as I said, I don't go into as, um, uh, into as 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 um, objective forms i am very much a stay in the abstract that's when i even do stuff um mm. but uh is that sense of your as you're depicting your um and that and and communing with with you know animals and also even the remains of animals there's um there's a sense mm. of like the universe you know and and i i often get that sense of that they they hold like animals hold like the whole universe in their eyes um uh, and because of the silence, like that, like they are silent, you know. And um... yeah, I had this really um, the, the most strangely powerful um, experience I had last year um, with, with with a horse. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd I'd gone out walking one day, and it was around this time of year. Actually, it was when it it, it becomes very misty in the mornings. You often get this low hanging mist, which can sometimes stay all day. And um, I'd gone up on the hill. And I um, was out walking. I was listening to uh, an audio thing. I think I had, I had my phone in my pocket. And I was listening to a Carl Jung interview. Um, nice. From It was the last interview he ever did as an old man for the BBC, I think. And oh, it's yeah, on, you can one. find it online. It's amazing. It's like this old yeah, interview from the supposedly the last interview he ever did. And it's filmed. And they go to his house and talk yeah, to him about his whole life. I was listening to that. I had my dog Frida with me. We we're just out for a walk, and I, I did. I, this we're getting into mushrooms. Pick. I found a few mushrooms on the hill and and eating them. So I was in the probably a bit of a trippy headspace, but I was only only a couple, and I was just kind of really enjoying this walk on the hill. And then suddenly, he spoke about this part of his life where he was talking about his childhood and how he lived it you know, instructed by his parents, you know, it's sort of um, very religious, uh, Catholic, I think, upbringing and all of these restrictions and uh, confines of, of, of uh, the structure of what he was, that he was brought up in. And then he described this, these moments of uh, kind of liberation of, uh, of realizing 
other other ways to you know the, uh, so, some more truths about that he discovered about human psychology and about being able to readdress things uh, but as a child you know this is like when he's yeah, he was yeah. like a young 12 year old boy or something and he'd suddenly had these first revelations about there are different ways of thinking about things and yeah. and maybe everything isn't just set in the, uh, the sort of ego character that were that were taught and um as he, as he described this they said they said oh what was this feeling like for you to to have this moment of discovery and he said oh it was as if this i'd been walking in this huge mist and then the mist had parted and and that was when i had this revelation as he said this passage my phone my battery on my phone just died for no reason i had like 50% batteries and it suddenly just stopped for no reason and went blank i put it in my pocket and as i looked up all of the mist had come in and i was just standing in the thick mist and i didn't know where i was in the mountain anymore i was just just there in this mist um wasn't quite sure where my dog was i think she was running around somewhere but i couldn't see her and then it suddenly parted in front of me and there wow. was a horse just standing there staring at me it was so intense and yeah the, the the mist parted this horse was standing there in front of me and um i could see my dog again and and i uh kind of just stood there and put my hand out on the horse's head and just had a moment of just stand and i i really i felt as if there was some sort of kind of what you described of the link it was as if all of those things were linked, you know, like the, yeah. the, the mist being there and then parting, my, my dog being there, every, everything, all of it being there in that moment and kind of having this moment of, with this horse. And then, um, and then within seconds, suddenly the mist just disappeared. My dog was running around again. Uh, the horse kind of just kind of nodded and walked away. And, um, and I could see where I was on the hill again. And I was kind of back in there and, uh, and I know I mentioned I it listening listening back to me tell the story now you know you might think oh well you did you said you ate some mushrooms well I'm talking like one or two tiny like nothing oh, that no. would have I wasn't even thinking about that yeah, yeah it was very much it was it, it was it was a completely you know real experience that happened in front of me but um yeah and I kept then from then on I kept seeing imagery of horses um I, I saw some. Uh, I remember I was driving to Cardiff one day and I saw this image in the clouds. And this is <laughs> obviously, I know we, we see things in the clouds all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, it's a dragon or it's whatever. And, and I love doing that and I see it all the time. But this was the most clear, distinct one that I've ever seen in my life. And I was driving, yeah, I was driving down to a, to a show in Cardiff, but uh, and so, and so I couldn't photograph it and I wanted to, but I was on the motorway and I looked in front of me, I could see this perfect full body of a horse just in front of me. It was only a few days after I'd had that vision. Okay. And then shortly after that, the weirdest thing that happened, which I still cannot describe, I still don't understand what, what this is about, but wow. I, I was in the house and one morning I woke up, went into the bathroom and found this wooden horse that I'd never seen in my life before on the floor in the bathroom and I picked it up and I came back in and spoke to Johanna and was like instead of where did this come from and she's like I've never seen it before and I was like I haven't either and she's like fuck off you know you're kidding like, uh, <laughs> you, know, you you must you know it's in the house there's, there's not much in that bathroom there's nothing much in it and there's and um, just Wooden a few horse. plants and things wow yeah it's really strange and I've got it here somewhere oh it was out in the kitchen but yeah this wooden horse about so big uh kind of crudely crafted and it was just on the floor in the bathroom no one had been in the house there's no windows open I don't I still don't as I'm telling you now I still don't know where it came from and it was just lying there and then my cat knocked it I put it in the window of the bedroom and then a few days later my cat knocked it down 
and the cats and you know cats don't usually knock things unless they deliberately want to they don't usually knock things over do they because yeah. they're very smart with their movement but yeah my cat jumped in the window and knocked the wooden horse down it the leg broke off it so i've had to glue that back on but Wow. I don't know what this all means. The only the only th- thing I had with it where all of this horse imagery came full circle was um, I did a, the, a piece of artwork, the Deftones thing recently mm. of the white pony. So that, to me, I was like, okay, maybe this is heading towards... I've drawn a few horses recently for different different projects and and something tied in with that. So I thought, okay, maybe maybe there's something in maybe it's trying to find know. a voice because yeah, then i was asked to do that project and immediately had the vision of that floating horse and i thought okay this is maybe something's tied into this uh lineage well, of the, those visions and experiences now <laughs> now people who, who who do listen and there is a beautiful crossover of deftones they've toured together of deftones and mastodon like that mm-hmm. is um you know just the idea that that in its own way not that it's that, that that's all it was reduced to it was this you know imagery that wanted to come out and that there was this timing and i'm glad that that it had that it, it got to found it to find mm. its form in that and it is beautiful yeah the, the the horse imagery you you do have a kinship with them and and um uh i would say also another thing for me is is your um there's the the something that is so comforting about nature is when it does envelop you and your work is emulative of what nature does is is uh, if you go out in in some of these brush in the brush in in the the bracken in the tangle and in the thorns you know like my my immediate reference is uh and i would like to almost say based on what you said uh semi-autobiographical uh cold dark place artwork for mastodon a, a man at night working by candlelight like that's you yeah. like, in so many ways you know and you got the beard yeah. too as well um <laughs> yeah yeah and so i wanted to uh, like highlight that as well but um I, I want to say that, like, even if yeah, it it feels like we can take so many meanings from things. So it's like, yeah, one one interpretation could be like there was just this uh, this um, you know, I, and I and again that as you said, it came full circle. It's like, well, if you think in the realm of heavy music, the I mean, you obviously have um, you know, remission, which is the flaming horse. But... I was, as soon as you started, uh, as soon as you were bringing it back to Mastodon, then I I just had that realization of like, oh, of course, that's the perfect starting point because I hadn't even clued that in. And no, it's but, cool, uh, man. And a few people had because I think I'm pr- I, I from I remember from what I've read that I think Bran had a dream of that image. I think that's where it came from originally yeah. was, I think he dreamt of yes, this horse on fire. That's right. So look at you uh, having uh, these real world experiences. So yeah, there's definitely something there. And, and I, um, I hadn't thought about it so much. I, I, when I, uh, revealed that Deftones art, um, a few people said, Oh, it reminds me of the remission. Art. And I, th- I think I hadn't quite, there must have, yeah, I, I don't think it had occurred to me at that point. And then if, when, when it was said, I was like, oh, of course. That de- I mean, that definitely must have been an influence in terms of the, that depiction of it and, and the shape and the form. It was kind of, <coughs> excuse me, a cross between uh, that, yeah, kind of the, the remission art would be an influence and maybe the um, and the Jesus lizard down art with the, 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 the dog floating over the water, you know. Um, Something somewhere between those. Yeah, like I, I would say there's these, and I, I say heavy music because that's the thing that you know, there's so many sub-genres and all that, and it's by far and away the genre I resonate with most because, um, you know, uh, have you heard, like, for example, you know, Jethro Tull, there's a song called Heavy Horses, mm. you know? Uh, right. And you are, in some ways, very very kindred with that with that individual, and I, I want to make sure that I can catch them on tour while they're still doing it. They're still powering on. 
Um, but uh, yeah, there's definitely there's there's link linkages there. And I another full circle thing I envision for you. I don't know if you've done any work for them, but on whatever whatever anniversary of songs for the, from the wood, like you need to be doing a poster for that because like yeah. <laughs> you, you and Jethro Tull are just meant to be mm. sure, especially with the yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. Uh, I also uh, figured admitted trivia, my mum's from Wales, so Cardiff, she was born there. Yeah. Oh, no way. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Um, you don't have too much of the, um, just the very Welsh accent. You don't have the accent, you know, like. No, I, um, I spent most of my time in Cardiff, though. Um, mm. I, I was born in Barry, which is about 20 or 30 minutes uh, from Cardiff. I born in Barry, grew up there, and then I moved to Cardiff. Um, during my, you know, I spent years playing music and playing in bands and things. And I lived in Cardiff most of that time, but I went to art school in, so Cardiff is where I really see as my home, I suppose. Um, then I think the reason that I don't have such a Welsh accent is because you know, the Cardiff accent isn't very Welsh really, you know, yeah. and, and the Barry accent isn't contrary to, I don't know if you've seen the show Gavin and Stacey, the mm-hmm. comedy set in, uh, it's what it's, it's where um, James Corden came from, oh, unfortunately. I'll have to check it out. But, um, oh, unfortunately, it's, it's, the, uh, it's uh, not our finest moment. But no. but it's a, it's a sitcom. It, it won tons of awards. It's just, it's helped, it's fucking excellent. It's a it's a sitcom set in Barry. But part of the uh, the real pull of that sitcom is is the um, is the accents, you know, and, and they speak in that, in, in that show, they, they speak in very thick Welsh accents. Mm. And that's part of the comedy of it. It's just their whole delivery. But it's, it's in, I think it's inaccurate because people in Barry don't really speak with that thick Welsh accent. They speak with a Cardiff accent, which is a lot straighter and a bit more, you know, similar to what you might find. I don't know. It doesn't sound very Welsh to me. So no. I think I, I grew up with that, with that kind of straighter accent. I did pick up a bit of a Welsh twang, though, because I went to art school in Treforest. So that's kind of up up in the valleys a bit. And, you know, a lot of people from around there and further afield all congregating in that one place with all a mix of different Welsh accents, some West Walian and North Walian accents. So I during that I, four years in art school, I definitely picked up a bit of a twang but i think if i'm in wales people would say they don't think that my accent's very welsh but if i cross the border and if i you know if i was in london or something everyone would know i was welsh i guess but, yeah, I, yeah. Now, now that you're mentioning you know i just get this uh imagery maybe i don't know if you could devil into paint but when when um just that idea of, of just through the natural movements of the brush it'll just take on the qualities of whatever paint it's, it's interacting with and then that mm-hmm. comes to comes to paint this beautiful I, I talk a lot in metaphors. It's because I'm in my head a lot. As well. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and that's kind of, you know, and when we're painting our, our the, you know, the, the painting of our life on our canvas of life, it's like, and we've picked up all these different mm-hmm. um, things. And you say we have a twang here, a little, uh, some things. Yeah, that's beautiful. That have come Yeah, and where I am now, I'm, I'm uh, where I live now is right on the border between England and Wales. So if I drive to the closest supermarket, which is about 20 minutes from here, I'm in England. But if I drive back into Hay-on-Wye, which is our closest town, I, uh, I'm back in Wales again, you know, there you and there's go. points you can stand between the two. I mean, I'm, so I'm really, I mean, yeah, I'm 15 minutes from England, even though I'm just in Wales. So it's quite a nice, and uh, so because of that, then a lot of people, you know, it's a, a border town. So mm-hmm. a lot of people around here, there's lots of mixed accents and it's not particularly Welsh. You don't hear very strong Welsh accents around here. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. And, and I want to say like, um, 
I mean, I love the word, for example, one of my favorite, just not, not even just like the meaning of it, but the sound like idiosyncratic, you know, and, uh, and is, is something I would definitely describe you as. And then esoteric and, uh, and uh, erudite. I like a lot of E words, you know, <laughs> that, that are coming okay. to mind. Um, but um, what I was going to say is, uh, for example, with John, and by the way, we, this is for about, from about 20 minutes ago, the, the sidebar of esoteric agenda. Uh, initially, I wanted to yeah. say is you, we were talking about originality and we were talking about if you really think about it, nothing is original um, and we are just vessels for new incarnations of things that are content, like sediment, like just building, it, just building on what's come before. And that is just, again, we're supported by that is like, you know, Zeppelin, everyone yeah. we've, we've attributed perfect originality to, complete fallacy. And I came across uh, an interview with John um, about, he, he said, I, so often I would question, what is the point? Like, hasn't someone ever written everything on guitar already? Like, and he just would get existential. And, and I'm speaking to a lot, a lot of artists are going to be tuning, tuning into this. And, and as you can hear from what Richie has said is, it is only a conversation with like a horse away or a, a going out <laughs> back into nature away. And, um, yeah. and the specific sentence was, um, he actually said, when, once I realized that the experience that other people have of my art is completely out of my hands, that someone might come across a John Dyer Baisley painting or, 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 draw, or a Richie Beckett drawing before they come across earlier cross-statching cross or whatever. It's uh, like, yeah. Yeah. you don't, it's like, again, it's, from, it's just like the esoteric agenda stuff. You don't, get, you don't get a say in whether or not the thing is beautiful and unique because we are, there's nothing. Right, and you can't. And equally, you can't uh, you can't control once it's out there in the world. You can't control the the viewer's education on you know. Yeah. You can't give them a, a prologue to it and say, "Oh, bear in mind all <laughs> of these things when you look at this piece of work and and accept all of these influences and do your research on all of these things to to view this." And actually, it's way more exciting to think of something being viewed with less of that, maybe you know, and, and from a different point of view with a different set of you know, a different background on what your reference points are of like, oh my God, this is clearly influenced by this or this or this, you know, and you'll often have, you know, I remember showing artwork to people. I kept having people say, um, say, oh, you're so, you're clearly influenced by Virgil Finlay, you know, over and over all the time. And <laughs> for I example, I've never I'd heard of that person, you know? I'd never seen or heard Virgil Finlay before. Um, I've since found out that's a huge compliment because his work is the fucking best, you know, but I, uh, his work's amazing. And there, there are definitely, I can totally see why people would have thought that because he, he's, the, there are certain motifs in his work, you know, similar sort of orbs and uh, interest in sort of, a lot of his stuff is science fiction, lots of uh, female forms in there and, and lots of patterns and surreal kind of layering of things. Most predominantly black and white pen and ink but i hear it all the time you know that that people would say oh i can clearly see your influence by visual film like, you know what i mean and i had to then go and look into it and i was blown away by that you know now i am you know like i've got i've collected books of his work and he's you know certainly a favorite illustrator of mine but um it just goes I guess, see, my, see, my like, point is that you know yeah. they would have made that assumption by seeing it because that's their reference point of the 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 consistency they saw between the two things um and if, you know, if someone had seen, you know, my, my work has definitely been influenced by John's work, you know, and, and, uh, and if some, but someone might see my work and have not seen John's, but they might seen John's and not seen 
the things that influenced him. And, and someone might say, I actually don't see the linkage. And in fact, with you and John, I see, I see a quite a separation. And also you and, um, and uh, Mar Martin, uh, no, uh, Marald, Marald, who has done. Yeah, yeah. So the, you're all these just, you know, nature, uh, nature, um, channeling and and uh, you know especially morale he does a lot of fusing of silhouettes you know which is i do with that in like yeah. silhouette. but each of you have this thing of the common uh, the common aspect of, of of nature and and the channel and involve involve you know jung for example john is is very much in that realm of psychological um you know, imagery and you know you know jung is, is a mystic himself and i I, I have deference towards and kinship and resonance with that definitely. Mm -hmm. So all of you have these things of um, the, the the fusing and the mixture and these archetypical images of the the maiden and the crone and the the shaman, like mm -hmm. all of all three of you, but they're all completely distinct, you know. So I th that's really good. that's really good to hear, <clears throat> and I think maybe that, um, in, you know, even if aesthetically there are similarities in any of those artists' works or in my own. Um, on. it's funny because actually when I've spoken to um, John or, or other artists it's, you know I, when, when I did those interviews with John before um, and we, I mean, we'd known each other for a few years at that point already but um, he flew over here and we, we did a few we did some we spent a, a couple of days here doing you know stayed up all night doing recording and filming interviews and uh with jimmy hubbard who made that documentary for revolver who i found out at that point i'm good friends with jimmy now and he's done so much incredible work over the years and i didn't realize until he told me when he when when he was here and we were working on that it turns out he filmed and made that whole mastodon workhorse chronicles dvd was all his work too and i was yes. like wow man i've watched that so many times it's like and that feels like so long ago and it was so crazy then to be like holy shit now you you know you're now a good buddy of mine who's in my house making a, a film on the same on that same lineage See, I mean, of, it's all uh, relative everything's just you know, it's like, yeah it's wild but yeah. at the same time you kind of there's moments when it can spin you out because you're like how how did this become you know how did how did i end up working with these artists and musicians who i love so much but then it also kind of feels right, you know, because yeah. you, you realize it was that initial uh, resonance from the music and from the art that felt that felt this kind of kindred spirits and kinship with it. So it doesn't actually feel that strange. You no. Know? You're kind of like, oh, well, no, I felt I was part of this story in some way. Yeah. It's not that strange. And, 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 the thing I was going to mention about John was, was he, he um, I'd, I'd kind of spoken to him about the about his artwork being influential on mine and other like Florian Bertmer, another one who's also now, you know, a really good friend of mine, but there was a period when I guess we didn't all know each other and we were all making <laughs> kind of similar stuff, you know? And, and, but I said to John, I, I think when he was doing that interview, there were a bunch of times I kind of turned it around and tried to, to talk about him and sort of celebrate some of the things he'd done that I appreciate. Yeah. He edited all of it out. So none of it's in there. I know. Cheeky. I kind of knew he would. But I was, um, but what I tried to say to him at the time, you know, I was like, I think that um, you, you know, I, I, I said like his, he really opened the door for, for, for me and a lot of other artists by showing that we can take those influences of Art Nouveau and classical illustration and make, uh, make record cover art really significant again and, and celebrate it and, and make something really that's been, 
painstakingly and thoughtfully put together that you could see on a gatefold vinyl and really enjoy and then that art can then be continued into prints and other other forms you know um and even though i you know there were definitely crossovers of influence and i and i felt a lot of encouragement from what he did the way i described it to him i think was it was as if he uh, at, at that time was kind of running over the hill with the flag kind of saying come on we can yeah, do, I know. You know we can do this. you're kind of leading the charge you know so yeah so i definitely credit credit john with a lot of that you know just uh show i felt like i was probably working on a lot of similar things in private that i didn't have a place for you mm. know and i think where john started doing so, so a series of record covers at a certain time for baroness and then for other people suddenly helped channel the all of you know the rest of us who were working on all of that stuff to, towards uh finding a place in record artwork again you know for illustrated arts so. I, I have to highlight something which is you know we, we we've spoken we've touched on his work but paul which the you know romano you know work hardened is, is the idea to have him on on episode three uh, uh he yeah. if we think about it generation generationally um you know there's there's no way that that john would be creating some of his work in uh, without knowledge of what paul had done in terms of bringing kind of classical uh and just that yeah um, almost again i would say you know, gallery art or, or whatever just this this um this sense of fine art to heavy heavy music and then took john yeah. took what paul did solidified it made it so core to the baroness kind of uh i did a chronolo um a chroma and a chroma psychological analysis of each of the records. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, uh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Because they're also open to interpretation and then you going on uh, to, to kind of, again, incorporate that or, or also just see the, even maybe even not directly influenced, but just nod at that and say, okay, so we're doing this and that leading of the flag. And mm. to, to yeah, emphasize yeah. to you, I want to say that you're now going on to inspire people in the same way. There's definitely uh, instances of artwork where I've seen, people um you know doing you know doing richie beckett kind of like like incorporating yeah. that. and just before i'll like because i, I don't want to uh, you know um omit this is as i was doing i i one of my things is i do is when i should be either drawing or podcast editing i'll just be going and tidying so i and i came across uh and just i like to tidy accounts you've probably seen on instagram i've just got all the all the outlets for the different conversations i've got about 108 or something yeah so. As soon as Spotify created Anchor, which allows you to just create podcasts for everything, I'm like, the Baroness podcast is happening. The Primus podcast is yeah. happening. Um, but <laughs> I, I came across my art from, it would have had to have been 2000 and something. Like we were in the, we weren't in the 2010s yet. And I had, and this is mm. literally not smoke blowing at all. I'll send you the screen capture if I find it. It said, favorite visual artist, Richie Beckett. Yeah. Yeah, and because uh, in DeviantArt, there's the field to kind of put that in there, and um, and the reason why is uh, just like Dennis Forkas, who does stuff for Behemoth, um, I often resonate towards the person who feels like they could just because I love I love I love ultimately even though I go into my dark spells, what I love most about life is that anything could happen. That they are, it's like the person is like a three hundred, and maybe your attraction to orb imagery is orbs are. And maybe David Lynch, he's drawn to orbs as well, is they are a 360 object. They can see and do and be yeah, everything yeah. in every angle. And I've always attributed yeah. to you the idea that you can paint and do and not not just do anything and paint anything and and, uh, and um, 
depict anything, draw anything, cross-hatching, is that, in, in, and that's the thing, I also resonated with how you don't go crazy into color, like you, you kind of stay, you do, you do incorporate some color. It's a weird um, point. Firstly, that's really beautiful, what you said about it, tracing back to yeah. finding that link early on. And yeah. I think this, the, the, the significance of that is similar to, you know, me saying how it seems strange that I'm uh, here with you now talking about... Yeah, Jimmy Hubbard, the Boy Post Chronicle, yeah. The but then at the same time, it's not strange at all because there was some link early on which something resonated, you know? Mm. And so it, it's, it, all of those things are linked, you know? And that's... I, I love that, you know? But the... Um, in t- uh, so in terms of stylistically color and use of that, I really, I... Um, when I th- this came to mind when you were talking earlier about painting and about the idea of the even though it was a, a metaphor for our movements, yeah. but the painting and the blending of colors, yeah. the idea of that actually kind of makes me anxious. The, Thank the, you, the, me the, too. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of blending colors makes me anxious. Oh you know? God, you um, and I have limitation to it. Yeah. So I, I like so so, in the work that I make, you might notice that there are a lot a lot of rules, you know, yeah, I love I, it. Thank I, you. Me too. <laughs> opposed to rules that create that style. And over time I might tweak them a tiny, tiny bit, but when I do from, even if no one else notices the, the shift in those rules, for me, it's a huge, a huge thing and all, c- kind of daunting sometimes. So what I mean by that is, for example, the rule might be no two colors ever meet, you know, everything is harnessed by the walls of of line work and no two colors ever meet. And especially if I'm working in screen print, which most of the work I do, even if, because I'm in such a habit of this, even if it's a record cover, it's still set up in the same way I would for screen print really in terms of, you know, I draw one hit solid pen and ink piece, scan that, and then I'll color it digitally. But from, you know, obviously on layers beneath so that it's, uh, Kind of like, I, I always think of it as like painting the back of a stained glass window, you know? So you put, you're applying those colors underneath in layers. Actually, very simply, you know, if you, if you pulled the key line, because there's a lot going on in the key line, if you pulled that off, the colors would be very patchy. And if I put too many, if I try and go too detailed with the colors, it really loses something. And I think that it's usually I'll go further than I need to, then rein it back in and take a few colors out and simplify it and uh, find a, a way where the color can actually add just simpler shape and weight and things, you know, so that if you zoomed out of the image and saw it small, you know, you, you connect the colors of working at that level rather than otherwise zooming out and just seeing a gray of mixed <laughs> colors. But um, those rules might be uh, no two colors meet. And then if I was ever to break that rule, the colors which I have done, that's a big step for me, you know, it's yeah. kind of like kind of scary and weird. And, and it, but also because it opens up too many permutations, the way my mind works is that I get, I like rules and I like kind of finite conclusions to certain things artistically. And that's why I've painting, I've never really gone down. The, I've painted a little bit, but not very often. And I think it's because when I draw, um, I've got a certain number of rituals in place really for how I plan um, and I'm not talking about that's any kind of uh, crazy spiritual shit. No, I no, mean, I know, I know. In terms of you know, cleaning a pen or something, you know, those rituals you have, um, prepping, getting your pens ready, cleaning them, getting your ink ready, choosing your sheet of paper, making sure it's the right one, planning it out, getting 
just there's this is probably why I work late at night so much because I've spent all day procrastinating and planning and getting <laughs> and doing those things. But then, it, it, even though there's a, it sounds very artistically pretentious, but I like the ritual of building up to the moment of starting to work and then um, getting the just getting in that zone and feeling like the vibe is right, whether it's you know what music you have on and the, uh, all of those things. Yeah. And um, then as I when I'm drawing, I think of it quite similarly because it is because it's pen and ink on paper. And this is also why digital work is always problematic for me. You know, pen and ink on paper. I like the fact that I like the pressure of knowing that if you fuck up, you, yeah. you can't fuck with it to a degree. And, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's a rarity. I'll spend a lot of time just staring at the sheet, kind of holding my breath, waiting to just start. And then once I start, you've got to just, you know, there's a lot of breath holding and just going for it and knowing that there's no room for error and I don't want to have to ever edit or change any of it. And there's kind of one is similar. It's definitely not the same pressure, but it's similar to tattooing in my mind, you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Fucking nail it. Like you can't, doesn't, that's the pressure I put on myself. It's like, I, you know, you are, then, you know, if you, if you make mistakes, try and embrace them and work them into it or, or, or accept them and keep, let them, you know, I try to keep, unless it's a really horrible mistake that really screws <laughs> with the image on the whole, it, you know, I'll try and leave them in there and try and embrace them and enjoy them and find something interesting in them. Uh, can I just but highlight something? Was... I, have to hi- I have to be a mirror to you right now because what you just described is um, you, I, I, I kept in my mind all throughout, as you were speaking, I was like, this entity, this brother, in many ways, there's a lot of kinship happening. That's crazy that, and as you said, yeah. that, that idea that it, it makes sense in some ways for certain people to meet in, in whatever capacity. I just had a moment of like, wow, uh, you know how like with strawberries, like they have a, they have rule, like nature has rules for how that they're created. And, and you may as well, I was like, this is, he's basically a concentrated moat of anthropomorphic, like nature, but like shaped as a man, like just talking to me right now. If nature could speak is like, it would, it would, it would look like Richie Beckett and be like, you know, I have rules. Okay. I have rules when I'm creating, when I'm creating strawberries, it's like, they have to have the separation, but occasionally like, you know, um, you know, like, and, and so it's like, that's how Sometimes nature I'll into those two kind of, that, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, wow, like you, and the reason why you, you have certain artists where it's like, wow, that person isn't, isn't just depicting nature. They are, and this isn't like smoke blowing or hippy dippy. Like they are nature in that they think as she does and they, they have a sense. And, and, you know, when you're saying that you're holding back for that moment is like, sometimes you'll be looking at a tree and you'll see it's grown branches in some places, but then you're like, why hasn't she grown that branch yet in that one place? Mm-hmm. And nature yeah. is chucking a Richie Beckett, like wondering, waiting <laughs> and, and then going, you know what? It's time. And then you go and you, you do it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. I've definitely spent a lot of time doing, looking at tree, you know, on a walk, stop at a tree and just, I mean, I always think of it, trees, trees are usually my way of navigation so that they're the kind of anchor points, the flags by which you'll move from, I'll kind of look at one and be like, right, I'm going to go and meet that tree over there and I'm going to find that guy and spend some time there and then move on to this next one. And um, and what I, I've definitely spent time doing, studying that thing you just mentioned of standing in front of a tree and thinking, why, yeah. why did it? decide to suddenly go this way yeah. and then that way and why is why those branches coming out a, gi- a giant richie bucket in the sky was waiting and just being like what what do i do <laughs> it's the same well i was thinking i was looking at some i went on, on a walk the other day and was quite high up on this heading towards the mountains and there was a lot of the trees there have this crazy almost step like um 
shape to them where they'll they're, they're, they're hawthorn trees i think and they, they they'll go sideways and then up and then sideways and then up so they're all stretched across this way as if there's a kind of wind blowing through it but they're obviously the ancient trees so I, but i figured maybe it is because it is because of the wind you know maybe as a little sapling tree it grows up then there would be maybe a winter when it was really windy and then it would it would over time be leaning that way you know and then grow up a little more and then be so it, even though it's this solid thing you can kind of see how it's lived through these different seasons and ultimately all of those trees face a certain way and are leaning a certain way because i guess that's the way the wind moves around the uh the mountain yeah. and as they're growing they're just very subtly being just had that pressure on them you know to lean them that way and, yeah. and then there's other things where you see a, a fence post next to the tree and and they're touching and pushing and you're thinking did that fence post was what did the fence post influence uh the tree's growth or did the tree influence the position of the fence post you know which one's pushing against which and yeah right. i think you and Jung, you and Jung Jung would ab- that's right i want to say that you and Jung would absolutely have been like compadres just like he, he, <laughs> he is he's in he was in that same space of um you know as you said, it's like, what is it? Is, it, is it the pushing or the pulling? And, and inevitably mm. you find out it's both, you know, like it's just um, exactly. that alchemy. Yeah. And I think, it, again, this weirdly comes, I often find the best conversations loop back on themselves because there's like Joseph Campbell style, they just sort of you know, like, mm-hmm. because the, the, the conversation itself is a journey and there's always that returning to source, you know, uh, yeah. where we were talking about, um, yeah, like uh, the, the idea that you can't do things in a vacuum and you need the push and pull. But mm. one thing I won't, I, I also... As, yeah. well, as, as well as a grandma, I, I have to also do what um, a bit happened with the revolver thing is uh, you started talking about a certain thing. And I was like, I need to bring it back to when I was yeah. talking about um, how I, I have this um, admiration and respect and, and, can, and like resonance with, with how you have placed yourself just as, a, as an orb is, which is with everything around you, with all subject matter as instantly accessible with all kind of energies and moods. And and that and that and with that being the kind of artists that not only are the most timeless that go on to have the most um, uh, strong experiences with like people had strong I I myself with Cold Dark Place like especially when you're looking at the artwork and hearing Brent talk about his real his lived experience of that isolation is art can 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 actually be move like my like moving to the point of it like creating like impressions on your soul and that's not exaggeration and i just want to highlight and out of love and humility and just like a sense of like i'm on to you is uh, as i mentioned this the one thing i said all these things about universality and how you're this very very rare breed of completely omnidirectional soul who is just ever growing and expanding and the one thing you picked up on was how i use the word painting and i'm like richie <laughs> like and you go into this thing about painting it's like well you know i don't really like paint like you know painting scares i'm like so as long and my fiance says as long as you hold what i you need to hold that because i'm also as well as hosting i'm giving voice to a lot of people listening being like we need and and i i often struggle with like accepting like praise or or and because I, I don't have, it's like, what is the practical use of praise? Like what, but just mm. all you can see it as is like, I can be a bit of a conduit right now for all of the like countless immeasurable appreciative energy towards you for being who you are and doing what you do. I like to be the kind of voice. Oh, bless you. Thank yeah. you. That's really sweet. I, yeah, I think paint, painting is the ambiguity and the possibility of painting that scares yeah. me. Look at you going back Too to it. No, no, hold. Okay. Anyway. No, 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 no,
I need the rules too. I really do. Um, um, but I figured, you know, one thing we might touch on is, is just this recent work, which is um, with the uh, fallen torches, you know, um, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, light the torch. A lot of people, um, you know, because uh, you haven't made a, an album uh, cover for, for like, a, I mean, this is a rarities, medium rarities, which is just. Yeah, that, that, that was something. Yeah, I can t talk about that for sure. It, it, um, it was the way, so the 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 weird thing is actually that 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 artwork I created about a year ago, oh, um, before the record came out. Um, so Brian had hit me up. I I'm a, I hope he wouldn't mind me. To, I don't think there's any reason that he would mind me talking about this. But he 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 hit me up. I was um, out of the blue. I was like Richie, I've got this idea for this artwork for this song we've made. Would you be up for working on it? Um, and he'd actually mocked it up. Um, he already he had the idea already. It was just the torch, the exact angle of it, and an idea of what it might look like, um, and the kind of placement. Mm -hmm. So he he sent me that and um, said, "Oh, would you be able to work for it? W would you be able to work on it for us? Uh, the only thing is, we need it in like three days." Like, <laughs> oh, <man>. You know? <laughs> um, yes, of course. You know, yeah, of course, no, I, I of course, well, and I'll you know. So I I had. Um, <clears throat> and it was originally going to be a um, the song "Fallen Torches" as a record store day seven inch. I seven guess. inch, yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah. so record record store day last last week last week last year last year uh, yeah. record store day release of, of just that that song and I guess maybe one other. That was the that was what it was for originally. So so he'd hit me up, sent me that, said, "Oh, we need it in three days. We're about to go on tour, and we're going, but we want to put this song Fallen Torches." I think he sent me the song, sent me his mock-up of it. So you know, of course, I was going to say yes. You know, and um, <laughs> and it was good. It was great because I already had his. You know, I had a starting point. I knew oh, what he wanted, man. and if, that's not always. I mean, that's not usually how I work, but it's actually really nice sometimes to have that. You know, just a clear through line of like, okay, this is the end goal. So I spent three days working around the clock. I did a lot of like working straight through the night. Um, I drew it on clayboard actually, which I sometimes it just depends what serves, you know, people ask about your decision making of like, oh, are you doing this now? Are you working in this style now? And so, well, not necessarily. It's whatever serves the individual piece. And because of the style of, I wanted this really intricately patterned um, object, you know, he'd, he'd sent me, the, the reference he sent me was quite intricate, but with most of my work, I'll try and find things that have a very decorative form to them, you know, and, and I get kind of, yeah. I don't like, you know, I struggle with, I don't like things that are real clunky and kind of solidly geometric and they, they should have form and they should be responding to one another and have some flow and movement. So I like things, you know, I don't, I don't really ever draw architectural or yeah. engineered kind of forms. It's very much nature-based. Whereas this thing, the torch is actually quite a solid yep. object. Yeah. So I wanted to instead put the detail in the actual, you know, decoration of the torch itself, the sort of filigree and things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I pulled out, I've got a bunch of old books of, of, you know, really old woodcut, you know, antique um, objects, but drawn in old woodcuts, things like that. So I pulled together all these different motifs and images and kind of found my way of sort of wrapping them around the image of the, of that torch to put a sort of snake like, 
mm. kind of body around it. Um, there's a little remission logo is on there. Yeah, um, the fire imagery so the, because of the fire. So that I was like, okay, I like to just because I, you know, it's it's an honor to be able to play in that world that <laughs> you know very much that Paul has created yeah. and that that, that that those guys have created. So if I can, I'm always like, hey, if I can, which which of which of those symbols will I use for this thing? And obviously the fire one, perfect. So pop that on there and um. But then, yeah, I drew it on clayboard, um, which I'm not sure if you've used that cl- the clayboard before, but no, not it's yet. A, a white surface, which you can draw on. It's a, a piece of board with a white surface painted over it. You can draw on it in pen and ink or any anything, really. Draw on it in pen and ink, but then you can use a scraper tool to scrape back into it ah, to get to white. So it's it, the same as, a, you know, as any sort of scratch board might be, or it's a similar technique to etching or engraving. So what the technique for that would be, if you imagine, I would draw a uh, like a silhouette of the torch fundamentally, you know, the, just a solid black shape and paint on it with ink. Then I'd go back in and then scrape all of the highlights into it. So, so it's actually a reductive process, you know, which is interesting and it's a an, it's an fun challenge, but it works for that style. And uh, you've got to kind of switch around, you know, instead of shading it and reductively showing the highlights of the thing and building a form out of this black object, you know? I mean, um, I, I also, because I'm a, symbol, a symbolist as well, I have to highlight, it's like, you know, because Bran, he's got his, similar to mine, his, his image, his element is fire in many ways, because he, he is yeah. the, kind of, he's the engine of the band in many ways, where there's just, he's like these pistons, you know, behind. Hasn't he got a, flame, I feel like he's got a flame tattoo here somewhere. And that's what, um, I, this is my own kind of work. It's a, um, uh, it's a, a piece called Creation Through Conflict, which if you look, there's a lot of just, it's all just mm. one line. But the idea of it yeah. going up to the neck is, was inspired by how Bran had the flames that went, mm. yeah, exactly. So his element is very much kind of fire. And I love that, how the turnover was so quick because fire kind of, like it just bursts and flames up. He's like, three days, like, Flame, yeah, Im- flame yeah. imagery, like do a toy. Like I, can't, I, I almost can't remember drawing it, you know, yeah. like it was just in a weird, like a uh, crazy elves and the shoemaker kind of scenario of just being up for three days, completely <laughs> wired. And then, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you finally go to sleep and you get it. Like, what, what did I create? But you now, know, we know that, that, now we know that you are insanely good for a t- when it's a good idea and it's something that resonates with you for a three day turnover doing something. As I you know, know I shouldn't be spreading that news. Should I? Cause I'll, I'll, I'll have people having ridiculous expectations. I think the only reason, the only reason that I could turn that over in that short amount of time is because, um, because of the direct, you know, knowing from day yeah. one, this is what you're doing. Having a very direct kind of, um, jump through of, of like, okay, I know I need to do this. I need to do this, 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 a really clear process of what it is. Um, and, and then versus, versus other projects where you've, you know, most projects start with nothing almost. And then having to go to the bookcase, pull books out, do research, watch documentaries, <laughs> listen to things, write about Three things, days. try out ideas and over time, you know, draw some, draw a bunch of stuff that gets thrown in the bin or whatever it might, you know, a long process to end up with the final piece. Um, especially like something like that called dark place, artwork you know that was like a whole long saga between brent and i to get to that point you know whereas with this one with brian it, it was great because he was like here's what i want can you do it and he, yeah. it was a solid idea from the start so uh, mm-hmm. and i kind of like it was nice to have something that was so refined and simple which i definitely would have overcomplicated if if, yeah. if brand had come to me and said oh i want something to do with 
a torch i probably would have come up with some insane yeah, exactly. over ambitious scheme of to try and because there's a certain it takes more confidence actually to do something refined and simple and it i i there's a nervous energy that and i in the past i've tried you know i overcomplicate things by just bombarding the senses with all of this stuff to try and be dazzle people you know yeah. and i think now i feel good about if i can you hear that chicken outside? That's amazing. I guest guest host. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'll have a yeah. So um, they come they come to the door. The chickens trying to demand food and trying to run into the house. That's but, um The the um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, that, that something like something like the torch or something like that, that the the white pony. You know, to actually draw something which is just this one object one which I haven't object. covered in other thing. You know, with even with that horse, I had these moments when I was like, should I? I should wrap some fabric around it. I should bring some yeah. other element in. I should do something. <laughs> and I had to really kind of control myself with that and say no. Just have the comfort because it feels very exposing. And yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. like if. You're, if you were playing in a band where you had uh, two other guitars playing and bass and backup and drums and all of these other layers, but then you wanted to step out with just your acoustic guitar and play a song, yeah. you know, it's kind of that. So, I'd, so to actually do something that's more simple and refined and direct. And you did that with the sword, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure that's probably how you met uh, um, Brian Ritchie, you know, with the, mm. the low country and that stuff. Um, yeah. But now I have to mention this. So uh, I, saw him, I saw him last summer the end of the summer i went out to um which oh was it Mon- mondocon it must have been, no, it's been mondocon because yeah he's galactic, galactic, awesome. galactic protector yeah yeah, yeah. that's what he, he gave me one of these uh beautiful uh screen printed oh. there's only very few there's something like 10 yeah beautiful printed copy of his record but um yeah what a beautiful human yeah and you guys i think i i, I portend a, a collaboration at some point between you two i think you're both very kindred souls i sense um mm. two things i yeah. want to say is is with with the the idea that you weren't you know uh, that idea of doing the, the solid objects number one number two the isolated object and number three the um the, the quick turnover honestly and i'm speaking for a lot mm. of people i think very confidently on behalf of like there was there was we could not have been able to tell that you were it was a, it was any kind of new ground mm. for you because you you did it again did, no pedestalizing you just did it very well and yeah, and, that, no, and yeah it it looks like a solid object yeah. and when i commented you were like yeah someone's turned it into a physical object already you know yeah crazy huh? i i um yeah that's bizarre the, the um the other the other parts to that design was so I did it. I did it at that time, and I'd recently worked on the. I made a poster for the Mastodon Paris show, mm. and it's the one with that red space given. Yeah, gosh, I love it. I really piping. wanted the print. I missed out on the print run, so. <laughs> oh boy, that's okay. I'll see. Remind me. I'll see if I can dig one out for you. The the um. Okay. That um. I might. I might have one somewhere. But I'm not sure. But there's going to be. A, I'm going to. I'm going to self-impose some interest and premium on that if you do find it. So I'll. You. You won't get to say mm. what I'll. What I'll send you in exchange. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotcha. Well, um, the. So on that poster, I'd created this um, border, which was these these strange. I kind of had a lot of fun with that actually. I, I I came up with this idea of making this border, which was. Uh, using a lot of symbols 
Um, it was all printed in gold. And the idea behind it was that with, with that, that image of that, the, of the, the gibbon guy riding through, in my mind, he's still kind of flowing through space. He's holding this strange orb under his hand that I see as some sort of navigation device. I don't yeah. know, but that's what it feels like. And he's holding that in his hand and looking on he's got some you know a uh, staff and some a bit of armor or something on it and and then he's on the front of what looks like a viking ship and I, the idea really was just to create to create a weird world where that could be open to a lot of interpretation depending on what people see in it but i like the idea of it being it feels like it could be in the, in the future um because he's using the sophisticated device but then also it's got this old, what appears to be a Viking ship in it and a, a mixture of different timelines and different eras and things. And it's almost like that thing, you know, I remember being a kid and always being spun out by that, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. And you're like, what? wait, this was a long time ago, but they have futuristic technology. And you realize that actually nothing is determined by, you know, we're very, uh, we, we can only think in our own timeline and our own uh, sophistication of technology, whereas all the materials to make it have existed forever. So that could have happened at any point in at time. And point. it's just our own pretentious nature to think that it's only where we are with it. But the, the, with, with, the, with that space given, the, um, I, I thought just to extend that further, I thought with the, with the patterns around it, I made this border shape kind of, sort of art deco style thing but then i added all of these symbols i started making it was super fun because i'd make a symbol very crudely make a symbol but then if i flipped it around and joined it with another one it would make a new symbol kind of hieroglyphic sort of language yeah but i like the idea that in you could see those symbols as being a sort of hieroglyphic language of some sort of ancient times but then at the same time it could look like the motherboard of a of a computer system you know like those That's when you right. look at all those little patterns and shapes and little maps of, of um, is, electronic signals you know? to my ears. and it feels like it could be both you know so yeah. maybe it's an ancient language but also maybe it's a computer thing and then I put these little um, uh, what look like planets I guess in the, which to, to kind of show maybe this is where he's come from and this is where he's heading to on this journey so I'd already done that poster recently and then when Brian approached me about the Fallen Torches artwork I thought oh well I'd really like to revisit re you know now i've created this style and this these patterns for them you know i'd like to bring that back and uh rework them come up with some new shapes and patterns so i took them and then went kind of wild with it for the art for the border yeah. for that record so you know it's i think it started initially on the on that paris poster then it was reused but not reused because it was new symbols and i expanded on them and then made the border for that which fit it in really nicely and then i think i and then i used it again on the rasputin poster mm. for that greek theater show so that one again i used a similar border came up with new symbols reused some of them and i like the idea of it being this strange kind of linked world and and i in fact when you said to me when you said i was going to bring this up earlier when you mentioned at the start of the conversation about having a Connected you know, my own world of, of artwork, which I know does feel and sound like the most pretentious thing, but it, it, it's it's uh, it's fun to play with. You know, it's a fun to me. It's a fun idea to create you know world building in some ways. Yeah, just the Beckett magical thing, you know, and 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 it's fun in in art to do that. And I like to think of it that way. I like to imagine that maybe characters that I create or images I create could coexist. 
so just to plant that seed a bit further, I, I've started to take, there was a, a poster I did for Foo Fighters. I did two versions of it where it's this um, astronaut character in space and she's, she's exploring some mysterious planet um, and she's got the Foo Fighters, um, uh, what's it called? The, 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 not decimator, the, <laughs> Deconstructor or something. I can't think. Let's go. What's the name of it? It's got some crazy name to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but on her spacesuit, some of this there's a symbol on there which also exists in the Mastodon. Thank you. Artwork. That's right. There's one of them, and oh, I just man. put it on the side of her spacesuit. And I like the idea that okay, well, this whatever this symbol means, whatever this language is, maybe she's existing in the same world as the space gibbon. You know. Yep. I need to show okay, you. I need to show you this. It's fun to trip myself out about it. So this, I don't know if you can see that. So that says it's a Mastodon lore compendium. All right. So what uh, I've been doing yeah. is incorporating your imagery, Paul's imagery, um, the wonderful, uh, um, yes. uh, you know, Skinner, and also Medusa Wolf. Mm. All of you have made it into this, and you can see creatures, characters, locations, artifacts for. Uh, cultures cool. and events so i've i've started okay. this um this initiative um for, for example a, as you would find in coming you know compendiums and grimoires and stuff so flaming horse source remission appearing in dream visions to those about to embark on lifelong quests the flaming mm. horse is a totem figure from the tribe of the drummer you know like yeah so if you i want to this is awesome you I have it I, I i've sent you a yeah. link I've sent you a link and what the idea is at some point and completely like no profit at all. If anything, if you, if it were to turn into anything, it would be for charity, but it would be this idea of like Sasquatch, like a proud race of one-eyed beings, giants gifted with much coveted foreknowledge. The lizard brain slayed, uh, slayed waste of their kind and only a few remain in the valley to guide the prophesized hero on their journey to reclaiming the crystal skull from the murderous scaled fiend. Structures convene in, in sacred circular groves to communally share their future visions. So the, I'm writing these lore entries based on your imagery. Cool. The, I love full, it. the full circle would be to individually commission whatever, like each of the artists who worked on that album to develop just a little illustration just so that it could be on the side of the law entry kind of like the Tolkien beastery kind of yes that's right so and and because um you know this resonance between all these creators like for example like both Bran and Brent are world builders and conjurers and and visionaries in their own way where you know Bran has the image and Bill has said this before it's like he'll have the image of Emperor of Sand and he'll guide the concept so it's all extremely um uh narratively very rich and uh, through yeah. my just interactions and just going over this material, and I'll include things like where I'll refer to a lyric in, in, a, in a kind of thing description where it's like, um, you know, um, I'll just bring, I think you might like this one. So it's like um, uh, Giant Moth, for example. Uh, uh, she, it's just mentioned once, just that word in one song, but it says, mm-hmm. companions, messengers, oh. and loyal mounts of the Huldra folk and their wizened leader, the dominant nymph. And that's one line from Troy, yeah, the dominant. But, but I would love to see an illustration by Richie Beckett. Of and it makes the... so much sense because he, you know, when when that lyric was written, you know, there's there's a there's a reason that those two words are put together in that lyric because it would have conjured a feeling of like, okay, this feels like a thing that yeah. I could give life to, uh, just by that. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing of lyrics, you know, just that moment of suggestion, yeah. which then, as a listener, you'll interpret and be like, oh my god, giant moth, what the. 
what could that be? You know, how could, where could that live? What could it look like? How giant is it? You know, yeah. <laughs> so but, many, but, so but what I want to say is you, you have added to this bestiary now with space, with mm-hmm. the space gibbon, and you've actually given me the perfect space. description of like, and I'll, I can just draft it for you. It's like um, space mm. gibbon, a race of creatures from a civilization that transcend time and space and travel with these orbs and da, 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 da. Like I will, I'll find a way of putting what you Yeah, doing. maybe it's something to do with, they, uh, I feel like, it's definitely time and space. It's definitely something to do with them being messengers. Yeah. Um, you know, like that, he's carrying this orb, which is some mystical <laughs> navigation device, but it's maybe as if through, through manipulating, you know, wormholes and, and the uh, fabric of time within space, he, he can set, go on, you know, individually, they'll go on a lone quest to, Take, to send a message of great importance to the past or the future, you know. Yeah. But but through traveling through space for for on it, you've got to you know. So maybe if you were to, it's not like you're jumping a DeLorean and just like bang, you're at a certain place in time. You've got to use the fabric of space to be able to use those wormholes and things like that to get to where you need to be, you know. And that thing will tell tell you how. That's that's, that's something like that. it's so. See, look, you 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 really have it completely vividly worked out and. And I just want to, and, and can I just say this? And when I'm speaking to Paul later is see how this hidden, the hidden details behind these very individual elements that exist just, well, just behind you know, this artwork, which is so, again, yeah. very narratively infused. And when, you know, Medusa, he's very, um, Alan rather, Alan Brown, he's very, very reclusive. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's mentioned that, you know, I'm, I'm good to not do podcast that's fine but if i can get notes yeah. from him saying that by the way because he's built i mean the worlds he's building are so crazily yeah. expand the characters absolutely so Terrible. i'll just read one that might make maybe you chuckle it's a so this is a lore entry so burl forest goat you know rugged subspecies of woodland goat cherished by the tribe of the string whomsoever <laughs> lays a hand upon one of their sacred animals without their blessing have bought themselves a fate worse than death which is refers to <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I, I killed a man because he killed my goat you know like, like yeah that's yeah that's from that one wow, that's so, good. so and so that's an idea i have and, and i would love for it to be like the richie beckett edition the, the the paul romano edition and just like because yeah. i'm just you know, who wouldn't want that on would, there? And, and also, I feel like the, the expansive nature of it, you, you could uh, you almost make it like a Wikipedia type yes. uh, uh, part where you could have contributions. If someone, you know, there might be something that you or I have, or anyone has missed that's in there, you know, those little hidden things, or, or an image that someone has seen in a bit of uh, Paul's artwork, which they want to write to you and say, hey, I think this is what this thing is meaning or is about. Oh, and yeah. it could you know, this melting pot of interpretations to really expand it out, you know. Does it, I see it, you like the well, idea? Hmm? You like the idea? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. And it, it's in, it got me thinking just now when uh, talking about that rich tapestry of, of imagery that's always been present and very much, you know, of co- obviously or, uh, originating in Paul's artwork. And it got me back to thinking, the, I think... I think the first piece I ever did for Mastodon was the one that uh, I called the Hermit of that yeah, character. It's, this, it's in this there. It's in there. <laughs> ah, I'd be interested to read that one. Well, so that that was one where I think Bran had Bran had hit me up about working on it, and I think it was just uh, make us a T-shirt. You know, at the time, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that was the first thing I did. 
so it was kind of just you know make us a t-shirt uh, design it could be anything so because it was this passing of the torch of you know for me i'd i'd you know mastodon had been my favorite band for many years and it was hugely influential on music and art for me and i had in my living room back in cardiff i had i'd gone to see the mastodon playing cardiff barfly club and i had bought a poster of it was the expanded kind of uh leviathan artwork because that was the tour so it's a huge poster when it had that full ex- the full artwork you know but yeah. it stretched up as well so you had the the underwater scenes and the the one the burning towers and all of that stuff and the whale mm. and that was the centerpiece in my living room for years at the time you know like go in my living room and it's just that huge and it was just you know it was just a digitally printed sort of gig poster but big and mm. i had it hanging up in the center so that was always present so I was so familiar with that and always you know got the expanded version of the packaging for that record and love yeah really poured over that artwork and felt a huge influence from it and was very familiar with it so then when when bran hit me up out the bloom was was like oh hey really dig your work would you be interested in would you make us a t-shirt that's our dream job of course so <laughs> but then i did the typical thing of putting so much pressure on myself which is why that's why now coming up to speed with you know being given such a straight brief for that fallen torches artwork was really nice because i do otherwise i will have a habit of being like oh my god how i've got to make the most ambitious crazy thing ever you know yeah at the time with this even though it was i've I've since learned that to make a good t-shirt design it should be simple and refined and focused and readable at a distance and all those things but at this point in time i was the, the not privy to this knowledge so i was just okay i'm gonna create the craziest most detailed uh, over the top kind of character for it i guess the thinking is for all i knew at that time this might be the only time i ever get the chance to work with this band so i want to put everything into it you know no so i drew this character based you know loosely based on the sort of you know tarot hermit character but then if you look in that image i, I was like okay i want to i kind of want to show my knowledge of the band kind of to them but to anyone who's looking ah. so i included so many things in it so it was like okay he's got um harpoons on his back that he's carrying that relate to the leviathan artwork he's got candles on his back that relate to the remission fire he's yeah. got um antlers tied in there that relate to the blood, blood mountain. mountain oh everything is linked so there's something in there to represent each each record i think it's hanging either around his neck or off his staff. I can't remember. Maybe the staff. He's got a kind of staff with a crystal on it. And then um, I think it's hanging off the staff, actually, is a little time. It's drawn real small, uh, the remission logo, I think, just because that was kind of my favorite of them. But I think the fire torch kind of thing as well, maybe. But the so staff that's just is hanging also Rasputin, because there's a line in, in Crack the Skies, like a wise man's staff. Yes. Like, yeah, they... that was definitely where that came from. So it was kind of sort of trying to display like oh look i you know trying to show my knowledge of the band in a way but also kind of fun for me too to be like oh i can i can legitimately use this symbol that paul has created and i can legit and but also kind of honoring his artwork and pulling in all of these different themes and into but it was definitely the kitchen sink of just like i'm gonna pack everything into this one image of this and then on his head he's what he's got a a mastodon skull with the with the uh, tusks so it was definitely I mean, incredible. Going way, way overboard for a t-shirt. No, design, you didn't. But, as soon as I saw it, Richie, I instant. I have that shirt. I I got the white. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. black print on the white. And and um, you know, and this is the thing as we we touched on about kindred 
kindred sort of uh, creators like ending up inevitably mm. either you know communing or or convening or collaborating is that um you know it's from the very beginning they've always had a sense to the even in even in like call of the mastodon kind of you know the life's blood is they just had this sense of wow they're coming up with their own nomenclature they're you know sisquatch like yeah. bill bill corrected me in person in sydney i was like oh yeah i did a drawing for you of a sisquatch and he's like ah uh-uh, sisquatch you know that's it. Like, and, and <laughs> yeah. so they are they are kind of um you know in the background world builders and all i all i want to do is just again in this sense of just channeling and highlighting what's there is they go into the music and the music is what they lead from but there is such a vibrant legitimately not in a like a fanboyish way i don't care for that fanaticism stuff but there's such a um a sense of an undiscovered world there, which is just, if, if you do want to have, and it wouldn't be like giant lore entries, it would just be little, almost like flavor text, like on, I guess, magic cards, I suppose. But like, for, if we came across, you know, um, the, the hermit, you know, in, and we would just probably just take that artwork, it would, it would be where it's like, uh, you know, traveler between worlds who has seen many things and chronicled the yeah. tribes and has collected these artifacts. And, and it's such a, like and that is by far and you know you say this thing of it was your one of your early pieces that that artwork is absolutely like iconic unto like the richie beckett mastodon guy is now a thing you know it's so yeah it was definitely i i think with that that one looks a little different to other figures and things i've drawn because i i was definitely on a big harry clark trip at the time yeah obsessing over harry clark artwork and the (laughs) the face was kind of like me trying to do a Harry Clark thing and the, 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 the patterns in the robes and things kind of having these sections. So you'll have a fold of a, of a cloak or something, but within the harness by the line of that section will be a certain pattern and then another pattern and just building this kind of dense uh, network of, of, of uh, motifs. But um, yeah, I, yeah, that's, I think after that, I went, I, I did a, a string of other shirts, which I, I tried to do some more refined um versions of it like i did one which is just like a leopard a leopard's face with fire shooting out the eyeballs but try that was me exercising trying to exercise some control and think okay let's keep let's have one element you know but we'll do something weird with it to to Mm. make it interesting and now i'm thinking as as you're talking about this sort of beast jury type uh tome of of, uh, that's right uh, of mythology you know it's making me think now okay well what would that what would the leopard with flaming eyeballs mean thank now. you yeah. and that's getting added yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you and and yeah, um, it's it's not to go. And some people were getting very excited and saying, "Look, I um, I want to do an RPG based on this, and I want to and like that can come later, or whatever." Because they flirted with that with uh, Blood Mountain, they did like a side scroller or something. But all all that I and it's just this sense of um, uh, and I want to I don't I really want to say this in terms of so music is is so affecting because um, very much just like uh, traditional medium art is like you can't really make music of a certain kind some people have gone into the digital in fact some people create like the digital art as well but there's something mm-hmm. just about the tactility of you just you cannot ever chalk that up to a machine to do like a machine could never do a richie beckett kind of art, art piece like or 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 create some of like pendulous skin by brent like that is just such a mm-hmm. you know it's just it's it's a purely idiosyncratic i, I lean on that word a lot because it's just so many things mm-hmm. are um and uh, but just to know a little bit, like I have an entry there about pendulous skin, which is, you know, what I love is that in the middle of this Moby Dick adaptation, they've thrown Joseph Merrick in there. You know, why not? Uh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. 
and I actually speak to there's a um, there's a an in, there's like a one line called inhuman beast or something or um, and I just say that it's like that's something that Ahab and his crew encounter on the way and that particular creature has a resonance with um, uh, Joseph Merrick who's like a crew member and so it's just this thing of if you add you know you that's should... the thing there's a reason there's a reason those those narratives are, are there there's no coincidence you know it feels because i've always thought that too that the, the merit thing you know it might feel strange like why is this character out of time and context put into this scenario but there's reasoning behind it all and in, in even if the creator of it doesn't realize you know it's the same as uh with any of those designs thinking okay why did i feel that and it's only when questioned you're like why did i put this thing in there why did i feel like this thing lived in that world but the beauty of it is and especially in terms of you collecting that imagery together and, and fleshing out that world and finding reason in it there's something really beautiful about that you know this sort of naturally evolving thing it goes back also to that you know the the cycles of nature evolving um it's something which if, if we're, you know, like I might think if I, if I come up with a design, I might be afraid that, okay, what if someone come, what if I make something that just feels aesthetically like it fits in that world of uh, the other Macedon artwork and I put it in there like the space given, yeah. put that in there. What then if someone comes back to me and uh, a Macedon super fan who's like, tell me everything about this and what does it mean? I might, I probably don't know, you know? And, um, but I, that doesn't matter because in this sense, no. you know, the fact that, and this is why I think also that could exist, uh, this uh, compendium of, of uh, characters and places and could could almost be a, based on contributions also, you know, because That's, it's... No, but uh, I, I wanted to jump in. It actually is. Like from the very, I've actually asked people, like if you have read a lyric and it comes up and, and I, want it, I want it to be primarily obviously from the artists, you know, yourself, like you, you have in the course of this uh, conversation, written that lore entry for for the space given and well yeah i've never i'd never spoken i'd never said those words before until asked when they were all there they're all going on and it's it was all in there you know that's right um, and why and why not like there's there's so and and we're collectively i always try to keep a keep a, a sense of the listeners listening now when when you started describing like what was in the robe i bet you people were like no and they went in while listening to you right now on the conversation they actually brought yeah. up the image and they're like well goddamn, there it is you know the harpoons and the candles and the orb yeah it's linked and and again i want to say this is like if you if you just come across the art and i i think also the most timeless and beautiful and important art is art that you can enjoy on separate layers and then and yet all layers at once so just on a formal mm-hmm. level mastodon's music a lot of people like mastodon's music just for the outer the outer layer of like this is heavy and wonderful yeah. and i and they, it's cathartic and same with your the art they're just like i love richie's textures and his imagery but it's great to know that i think the director of gareth edwards actually he's a fellow mm-hmm. country person of yours he just he, he did um rogue one and, and and godzilla and he talked about how it's like i honestly he made that film Monsters. Monsters, didn't he? yeah, and, and movie? yeah, yeah and movie. he said, he said yeah. for me, is he, he's like, look, honestly, I can so appreciate people literally just watching this stuff because it's people in suits beating each other up, you know, the, the uh-huh. campy Toho stuff. But he's like, but at the same time, I, 
I truly cherish that if someone wanted to go deeper and, and look at how Godzilla's skin, for example, it was done that color to to evoke mm. the, the the Hiroshima victims, like the the, the, the crusted over like dark. And a lot wow. of people don't know that. So and and his imagery, like he um, he's like they wanted certain aspects of his anatomy to resemble a mushroom cloud so that it would be a, a way for Japanese, yeah. the Japanese people to kind of, because at the time they were banned from making anti-US movies. So they made this fantasticalized version of uh, 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 finding uh, an outlet to sort of collectively mourn. Mm, and, metaphoric and, and, vision. Yeah. yeah. And so th that wow. level will always exist for Godzilla, that deeper, a little bit melancholic, but, human layer and yet there's always going to be people being like hey godzilla and they just kind of see that outer layer but yeah, they just get its monster attack and city but, which but, is great you know? exactly but there's always yeah. going to be the deeper layers right there if you just want to and he's like and gareth said he's like there'll always be the 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 layers down the depth and you can just like a swimming pool mm -hmm. i guess or whatever so uh yeah i, I think that, yeah i definitely try and do that kind of partly for my there's something i feel if if things are put in there with no you know, like you'll see a movie where where things are put in, or, or any any art form really, where things are put in just to be arty, you know, yeah. with no meaning, and you can kind of see through it very yeah. easily. And so, from you know, if if I'm making even a a gig poster or whatever it might be, I would try and have some sort of backstory to it or some meaning behind it, metaphorically, just even whilst I'm working on it. And I likely will forget exactly. I'll forget what that was you know, six months later, it went asked, but just for my own, I want to know there's something behind it and some meaning as I'm creating it. Um, because even if that changes and evolves, or even if that is just lost to me and I forget about it entirely, I know that if I can conjure that up, then someone else looking at it could do the same and it might be a completely different meaning, but there's enough there to, to generate that, you know? I need to just talk, I need to say this, is, is you and you and Guillermo del Toro are actually fated for a collaboration one day. He's, you're probably going to do the poster for Nightmare Alley. I'm just going to say that. Is because <laughs> you, you are quoting him because listen to almost anything this guy, he, he really talks about like, with Pacific Rim, for example, which again, he's like, you, I'll try and do an accent for him. He's like, I'm Italian. So he's like, he's so big bodied Mexican eclectic, truly universal soul. And he said, look, for me, Pacific Rim, please do appreciate it just as monsters versus robots. But he's like, for me, it's about two broken people and how each robot needs the two people to come together, you know, um, mm. like the two halves of the broken humanity and then humanity metaphorically coming together, finding a vessel and, you know, working all that stuff, you know, mm. but um, with that, it's like, so uh, <laughs> yeah, like he said, he said, I wrote about 50 pages about this one element that showed up on, on, on screen for three seconds. I wrote the yeah. entire history of this kaiju worshipping cult, you know, and they show up in the film for three seconds. But because he invested all of that development, just even just like he wrote proper like Bibles and stuff, but it's that you do it in maybe microcosm, like you say, you go through a process of maybe calling it like real realizing a worldizing, you know, like making it yeah. so that it has a reason for having those tendons and having that structure. And it just exactly. goes on to, you know, yeah. yeah. So that's what you're doing. That's so true. And I've, I, I've kind of, I, uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, whenever I hear him speak uh, um, about, you know, if I need a bit of a spark of inspiration to reignite, you know, some creativity, I'll just, pull up an interview with him because you know that he's got so much 
overflowing enthusiasm for for creativity that that you cannot i can't imagine anyone going away from listening to him talk and not feeling like they want to make something or or watch something or listen to something um so yeah he, he's the, such a great example but uh, that that right there Filmate, filmmaking yes. is the art of extracting beauty from adversity del toro podcast baby uh, uh, yes. beautiful yeah beautiful. that's great that's really speaks to his his way of approaching trauma then trauma into horror into something really beautiful and profound you know it's a, like a crazy path but it's all, yeah somehow beautifully balanced and that that attention to detail i mean i remember totally spinning out over thinking you know the making of pan's labyrinth and how he'd hidden so many symbols and signs in it that you can't even see in the movie anymore i know, you know like the, the, the fawn imagery in that movie and you know, like it's in, uh, it's engraved into the end of her bed post and then you watch the movie you're like i can't i can't see that i know it's there because i watched the making but i it's it's all over the house and it's hidden in there and that, i'm sure that's enough for him to know it's there and i've definitely done that in I've definitely had periods when I've just been like, oh my God, why has this project taken me a month to draw a simple poster? You know, I know a lot of it is because, you know, people's, people ask, I always get that question of how long did it take you to draw this? You know, what, what, what are the, and what they mean is they want to know the man hours of pen to paper. And I'm, if I really think about that, I'd be like, I, I, I've firstly, I got no idea, but, but also if you were to whittle that down, maybe, it would take like 24 hours or something, maybe, you know, but the project took me a month, you know, whatever it might be, because if you were just solidly drawing for 24 hours, maybe I would complete the whole piece. But the the time in my, I can never answer that question because in my mind, the time oh, is spent also doing the necessary preparation, reading the books, pulling out the imagery, testing things out, playing with things, hitting some, going on a whole journey and hitting some dead ends and coming back again and back onto the path and, um, sometimes in a, to a point of getting into a really desperate place with it where you feel like it's not going to work at all. And it's never, you know, like I, I always feel like I'm working at the very edge of what I'm capable of. And it's not even, it's not easy. You know, it's not like I'm just, I, I'm just sitting here and someone's like, Hey, makes a record cover. And I'm just like, great. Yeah. You know, birds are singing and I'm just like drawing this piece and then I send it off. It's, it's, it's always it's all involved. There's so difficult. many aspects. To yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but but I, I like that's encouraging hearing that Del Toro stuff. You know, that's yeah. part, part of the struggle of it is the pressure we put on ourselves to, to instinctively want to, you know, like uh, Mastodon, those guys would not be happy just putting out. A, can you imagine them just making a, a record of songs that has no backstory to it? No, no hidden depths of narrative, no, no sim- symbolism. And, you know, and then also those stories relate to, you know, real world things and personal things and very uh, um, intimate things yeah. for them. But in this huge, colorful, expansive, ever evolving world, you can't imagine them just one day saying, hey, this is taking us too long to make these records or this is just too ambitious. Let's just strip it down and we'll just make some good old fashioned rock and roll songs about you know, falling in love or something. And or, or and, and then the album cover is like a photo of like, uh, you know, a cat or something, or like just... Or yeah, anything. yeah, just That's a straight up... Yeah. And, you know, love and light to those who do that. But um, I want to say this, you the, the reason why you share the same sort of spirit fabric 
as Del Toro and these world builders and same with Mastodon is that you have a sense of um, honoring the opportunity to put something into the world. And there's something we do, uh, no, that it, not what we, we do, but that we do, but it's, it is the case that when like a human being is born, it spends like nine months. Like the, it, it, it takes time for life in its most beautiful form to take shape, you know? Just and and yeah. yeah. And so, and it, it is, it is as ridiculous as saying like, so how long did just the birth take? It's like, well, the birth took like, like <laughs> an hour or something, but that's right. not the, yeah. the birth isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't, isn't right. the only thing right. that created the baby. Like the nine months created yeah. the baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, and all of its influence and historic, you know, influence on things lead to that lead to that point. So, but yeah, that's re- that's a reassuring conversation. You know, I I, I feel that uh, you, you know instinctively we always compare compare ourselves to others and other artists, other creators, and you know I'll look into the world of um, comic books, for example, which is never a world I've been part of, and and not well versed in and but i know that a comic book artist because of the nature of the way they create and by the by the the very nature of the rhythm of that world of having to just be like panel 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 comics out the door you know and and just keep it going it means that they they can very proficiently just you know someone can say hey draw batman for me It'll be, there's batman you know on a yeah batman you know those sort of ways of creating where you can just very spontaneously make something like a magic trick in in no time and that's a a fucking incredible skill (laughs) way of working but it's for for me it's really damaging to compare myself to that and no you can't be like oh my god i couldn't draw you know (laughs) people have an assumption that maybe i could draw a, a that I understand anatomy to the level to be able to draw a human form like on this blank piece of paper, but I couldn't really, you know, I'd have to spend some time studying it for that specific piece. And, and uh, I guess my point is just, you, you've got to have some reassurance in your own ways of working and that it's not going to be the same as the next person's. Yeah. And, uh, and if, if it takes, you know, if it takes that long to make a thing because you feel like you want to do the necessary research and uh, world building behind it, you know, yeah. I feel like in, in in very good company working in the Mastodon world because they've definitely you know never uh, never shied away from that at all. They've gone deep into the library of yeah. <laughs> of That's ideas. Right. I want to say, and also like and, and another thing is the the sense of uh, Mastodon are my favorite band. If we were to say like you know share that information, mm. it's it's and it is the reason why um, I actually have said this in a few episodes before in other shows where, um, you know, Joseph Campbell, like um, when I read, like when I, when I, it clicked for me that Blood Mountain, which is my favorite, one of my favorite records, I, I do love all of them unto themselves, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it begins with the hero of the gods, the crossing of the threshold, which are all chapters and, mm-hmm. and passages from Campbell. So, and when I found that out, mm-hmm. I, I realized like if I were to, you know, Jung, I would say Jung is tied in a lot with like, um, you know, I would say with maybe, maybe like Tool as well, like, like this, there's there's a shared kind of sense there but the mythology and I, and when i went into i actually segued into campbell from mastodon and i also that's another thing by the way you've name dropped a few people which they've the listeners have been writing down like all these artists you've mentioned that they, they're going to be yeah. looking up the jung interview and, and, and <laughs> going into that um and yeah yeah so but like that's just it, it, like not a lot of bands do that like Meshuggah, for example like um they've 
they, like they don't have, I would say, and I, I, there is going to be a Meshuggah podcast at some point, believe me, there's a lot to, to go into there. But um, they, even they have said that we kind of are comfortable kind of going over the same, um, you know, terminology, the same, and, and they just say we, we, in many ways where, and, you know, Gojira, and I've just started the whole, like, you may have seen, you know, like Mario and, and Joe, which I, I also definitely foresee some because they're such nature souls like Gojira. Would you do some yeah. Gojira artwork? I haven't, but I, I would. You would? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, is that, yeah, I think we, we live in a time where there's just an increasing deficit of, of attention span. And, um, and oh, what, yes. I, what you've done a lot of healing during the course of this almost hour plus conversation for people where they can kind of just, that's what podcasts are for me, at least, is they can, they kind of transport me a bit, uh, is there's uh it's almost poetic in a way there's some people they say they like reading a passage of poetry like no matter how hectic the world is they can just think of richie beckett in the mist with that horse and be like oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> and there's a grounding yeah. quality and i think yeah. i i <laughs> well man that's you it's it's you're, you're creating this and and so for me the the piece that i i created a piece called metamorphogenesis which was the longest it took me a month you every piece for you is a is a metamorphogenesis after i did one i was like i can't fucking do that anymore it took me a month but you have that soul which is almost like unhooked from space and time that it just time yeah. and space just vanishes and you just you say, <laughs> this is yeah you know what i mean like <laughs> great this is what i'm gonna say next time i've got a client hitting me up being like that you know the deadline was a week ago and i'll be like you need to understand i'm unhooked from time and space yes you don't, you know. <laughs> you can put that in but, your uh, about me section I live, I live in a different time zone where there was a state of the fabric of time operates at a different speed and, and that's right that's my excuse you but, know how but, but but yes i, I there's um i i definitely where you said you know you put you you did a, a project that took took a month and then i guess felt the exhaustion of that and <laughs> I, I definitely go through those periods of i mean with most things and it's a pressure we put on ourselves but somehow it's the only way the only way we know to work you know yeah uh, i don't i don't i do it with most things i overwork them and a part of it is an definitely a nervous thing of feeling that something like i the irony of it is i'd love to be able to work towards making something like a simple picasso line drawing kind of something really direct and simple and focused and distilled down to this concise form but I don't know how and I'm not there and I don't and and there's in a way, even though there's an ambition to making some crazy elaborate month long uh, <laughs> quest to make a piece of art. There's also that there's that's there's two sides to that. It's like in one side, it's really ambitious, but in another side, I won't deny that it's also um, there's a nervous energy to, to that 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 is almost, you, you know, you wear that stuff as a suit of armor in a way of being like, hey, look at all this stuff I created and look how I can point you to all of these things so mm. that you won't focus too he heavily on one thing or yeah. too heavily on something that's really personal, you know? So I think if I was to ever, there's an, there's always an, an ongoing thing in my mind of I'd love to at some point make something that's very focused and concise and honest and isn't <laughs> shrouded in a lot of, you know, a lot of different things, not saying that there's any inauthenticity to all of the things that are put in, but a lot of them are, you know, um, distractions or, or 
I yeah, want to see this a lot of directions. You know? My fiance <laughs> sometimes mentions. Uh, she's just over there, by the way. Hi. <laughs> she, hey. um, <laughs> she. She just said hey. Um, she says that sometimes when we're saying that we wish, you know, I should probably go into this, and I'm thinking of, you know, I would wear. I just want to be again a mirror. I like to kind of occasionally just say that, and and again with that imagery of um, you have created like already like you're saying that maybe diving into a bit more, but I just want to say like like with the torch, I know that there was brand bringing that to you, but when you, I just love, I find it so poetic that the very first, and to tie it back into Mastodon podcast, I guess, is the first, first piece you did was something that um, your, your instinct was to conjure an icon. And in, in mythology and in different cultures, we have this thing of um, the, the, the things that last over time, that that's why that symbol, you know, I've, you have a sigil of your own, I have mine which we sign our artworks mm. with is the idea that if you mm. put that in a time chamber where the, the dust and the ages and, and the centuries passed over it, it would come out the same thing because it is just such a refined yeah. shape. Like years hence, mm. there will be someone coming across either maybe a print of yours where they'll just see that imagery of, and I can conjure it straight away. If you ask me, um, and this is how symbols are passed on is, is can you draw this based on having seen it maybe once or twice? And, in my own kind of sketchy way, I could do the, the Richie Beckett Mastodon Shaman. And there was previously no, mm. you know, Mastodon headed Shaman that I've ever seen. I've never seen him uh, like yeah. you unto yourself just with that. So all I want to do is not saying that there isn't a journey for you there. Cause I'm, I'm, I, I can't wait for it. I, I'm looking forward to whether you go more intricate or where you, whether you go more focused is, um, mm. you know, with certain creators, you're like, whatever you do, I have complete faith and trust in, and it's more like the person that you resonate with even more. And I found, I found honestly over the yeah, course of this. That's great. You know, yeah. like, yeah, when you think about how many musicians have been condemned by their own fans for, yeah. for making their own thing that they want to make. And then it's like, this isn't what we wanted. No, <laughs> I have that. Like you used you? To I have that with you and I have that with, with Mastodon because um, there's just a sense of, uh, I just, Hey, you like, there's a, a real human connection was like, you're living your life and, inter and, and your engagement with like, the act of creativity and just being a creative um, sort of entity and your approach to life. And it's, it, it is more that you just appreciate the human and have that sense of trust of like, whatever you're doing, I'm so excited for that journey ahead. And, and that's why you share that, you share that eclecticism and that sense of like, I'm not defined by this one thing, which is true. Like, and also nature, there's, there's not just volcanoes in the world. There's not just like forests and there's mm -hmm. like across all of yeah. nature. It, it is all nature, but there's just about every possible permutation and, and diversion from itself but it, and yet yeah, it is all unified you know that's really it's lovely to hear you say that and, and the idea that you know that like and you keep saying about it being a mirror and a reflection i love i love the it's really wonderful to hear hear those things back and think about you know especially because i'm operating from a very isolated environment where i'm reading and consuming and, and seeing and witnessing these things and then regurgitating or you know make, make making artwork from it and putting it out into the world yeah. and if that was just sort of shot into space and was just indefinitely traveling and i never heard anything back from it that would be fine in a way but but to to have it then echoed back from from yourself or from anyone you know anyone that it resonates with and, and for you to say oh yeah i actually i, I pay, really paid attention to this thing you made and it actually did mean something and it made me think about this or it inspired me to do this or looking that's really cool and it, it 
sends back that cycle of energy to be yeah. like, okay, well, the stuff has some purpose to it, and it's actually being, you know, someone is someone's listening or looking. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, I it's very encouraging. Say- I mean, I'm more than happy to provide that. Like, and, and I love again, how you see preframe that by saying, look, I am, you know, and you are like in many ways, that epitome of the self-sustaining self-sufficient artist that you don't need any kind of validation or, or any, you can just put it out and that's enough for you. But it, it is, it is often those people who don't, who put, put it out there without any expectation because you just have this personal standard you've set yourself where you're not working to fan expectations. Yeah, I try to, I try to remind myself of that all the time actually of, of, or just check in, just check in with myself frequently to make sure that anything that's being made, especially, especially living in this time where so much uh, discourse between us is based on approval, you know, oh, and, and, and oh like, uh, dislike, like, dislike. like, yeah. And it's really concerning. And, um, but it's, it's, it's very addictive. Of course, you know, we all know about how, this is affecting everyone. And um, from the point of view of, you know, my, a lot of my business as an artist or, you know, my, my uh, um, appearance in the world is, off, is based a lot in that world. Um, it's, it's very easy to, to, for that switch to turn, which might be, I'm going to make a thing that I think people are going to like, uh. or I think is what they want versus just making making the thing that you want to make and, and being honest with it and, and keeping it in it's such a subtle shift and you can i found myself do it before maybe where i've thought you know you make trying to make a t-shirt design or a poster design or whatever the thing is and and thinking and starting to get pulled along by by that current of what will people like yeah. or what will they expect or what they want or what's going to please people and because then, oh, pleasing them more gets more approval and maybe yeah. I sell more things. So I, trying to do it the other way around where it's like, don't don't go out there trying to tell people how great the thing you've made is and how much they're going to love it and uh, whatever. Do it the other way around. So just try and make something good and honest that you believe in and send that out into the world. And if it's focus on making the good thing, don't focus on trying to tell people what they're going to, you know, yeah, or, or, or don't. It's put, putting that cart before the horse and being like, okay, am I going to be driven by, driven by the approval I think I'm going to get or the money I'm going to make by selling a thing that people like, you know? And yeah. those two things, the, the the financial thing and the and the uh, and the approval thing, very uh, seductive forces in the world. And and I try to always keep checking back in and saying, as long as I'm, as long as I know I'm in a safe, secure position in my life. And I have the freedom to make whatever I want to make. I should exercise that freedom. You know, well, I want to Don't, say why, you know, why, if, if you, if you're afforded that time and space and facility and you've got that, you know, which is an amazing blessing to have, to be able to just make art every day, you know, use that. Don't, don't get swayed by like, okay, how much, how much more art can I sell or how much more popular could my work be or whatever motivation is behind it? Cause you see it, you know, like you'll see it in, I feel like you can see if the it it's just such a telltale thing if someone's yeah. making making stuff to sell or to please or you know it's the it's it's and this is the again terminology my fiance it's like it's the place that it comes from is like where is where is the place is like in yourself where and I love that you have that that self check because many people don't operate with that that sense of 
going inwards and just kind of checking in. It's called like self-language. Like you're just, um, you know, making sure that uh, you're kind of clearing, clearing any of that kind of, um, as you say, the financial and the approval thing. And, and I love that you're saying, you know, it's good that you're saying that I'm not naive, like that sometimes comes as an element, you know, of what, but then this is what the master dudes has said is like, then you're just going to be doing an impression of yourself where you're not, there's no real yeah. growth and yeah. nature, which if I we feel want to like, to, yeah, I've, I've, I've done that before too. I think, I think there's been times I've learned a lesson from that actually um, by if ma making a thing that I think is making a thing, that thing being successful and then thinking, Oh, I'll just do that thing again. Yeah. It last time. And no. even at the time of doing it, feeling guilty and weird about it, but doing it anyway, and then not feeling proud of the thing I made, not feeling, being like, no, nah, that was a bad move. I should not have tried to repeat it. I should have just carried on that path and not stopped off and, and re regurgitated something I did before. And I think I've learned that pretty firmly and, and try not to do you're it. In a good, anyway. You're in a good place, man, with, with what you're doing, with who, with who you've chosen to be, first of all, because that's the first layer of it, as like the human being with this deference to nature with this this sense of that you are happy to let yourself obviously with those human moments of like vulnerability and and we're all fallible and and we all have those moments but by and large your direction is like that omnidirectional thing which if you look at again a strawberry or a berry or whatever like they're just growing in all directions and you're you're you, you you've sensed and you've made the such a crucial connecting like connection is that that is the source that 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 following of that inner nature which is just this baseline electricity and warmth that is just emanating from us at all times like follow that that honesty follow that like that is that is what leads to the success that that authenticity is what leads to, to the success and that's what you know, Mastodon, a thing, you know yeah the, the 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 creation of that and i know it's you know like i said um i mentioned a minute ago about how the, the 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 mastodon world in the music and the mythology built is you know it, it, i mean this explained in in the interviews with them that like the the they're often there's things that troy has talked about especially of it's based in very real intimate things yeah for that and then um spoken about in this you know what what is hopefully a very healing process for them you know as individuals you know that that it, all of it is always and and yet yeah, the, the stuff that Bran has written about all of those all of those mythologies and stories are based on even though they joke about them plenty you know they're they're based on actually some incredibly powerful um healing that they're that yeah. they're doing through that and it all actually there's an authenticity to it because it's not just hey let's make a comic book cartoon fantasy there it, it the origin seed of all of those ideas comes from something really powerful and actually you know incredibly emotionally potent for Heavy. them you yeah know? and i think the same with even you know i could look at the art that i make and and say oh hey i just like to draw a complex weirdo you know fill a page with detail create these things but i'm sure if i was to sit in therapy for a few hours i'd probably get to the root of why i do that and it would be, relate back towards something that has always been there and it's just another outlet it's like okay if i can't so the the simplest version of that would be you know i've always been as a child i was incredibly quiet you know i wouldn't really i was very not very confident at all like i'd barely speak to anyone in school or anything like that mm. um and yeah very quiet very insular kind of happy in that existence but yeah. i'd be very insular 
really be in my own world. And so my way of communicating and my, you know, that, that energy has got to come out somewhere, you know, and if it's not coming out of your mouth, you know, it's going to come out on that page. And I think I just found a way early on of being like, Hey, I don't have the confidence to talk to this person next to me, but, um, when I start drawing, they respond to it, you know, and, and I respond to it and the same thing in that. And there's a conversation beginning there. And hey, the more the more I draw, the more elaborate it is. I can feel that coming out of me. And that ends up then through habit becoming, okay, this is my way of communicating, you know? Yep. So, uh, well, yeah. I want to say, like, you just, like, again, that's another thing where you've you've just given, um, yeah, well, we, we, we touched on it, that idea of, you know, being able to see things on different layers. And uh, a lot of people will just come across, like, you know, Stairway to Heaven or, or, uh, you know, remission, for example, and definitely with Crack the Sky, with with what Brian has said about the symbolism of that record, and 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 also, you know, rest in peace, Nick John, with what they're saying of the new one that they're creating mm-hmm. now about how it'll be for him, and Emperor Sand with with Bill, and and I'm always very you know respectful of boundaries when it's talking about that, but um, and I'll just tie it back to our good Del Toro again. He just said like in filmmaking, you can swap that out for anything, making music, making art. Uh, you know, drawing is the art of extracting beauty from adversity. It's the art of um, saying like, and and I also was, you know, like yourself, like that introverted. And that's how I, these, that's how how you, I'm glad you went back to that because that, that Del Toro quote, yeah, perfect. You know, it it meant one thing when we first spoke about it and now thinking of it in context of, of all of that. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. I'm I'm digging talking to you, man. You are a, Again, it's not. I know. I knew it wouldn't be like exactly roll, roll the dice. Like I sensed kinship before, but we've touched on some. Like I'm gonna to have to get you back on the show at some point. No, I'm really feeling it, man. I love it. I, I, I've this conversation. I'm thoroughly enjoying, and I, uh, I, I've done. Like I could count the number of podcasts I've done on this hand. You know, like I never. I don't do many interviews or podcasts ever. I probably only use Zoom about that same number of times. You know, so I'm like, and and like I said, I'm not. I feel like I'm generally quite an introverted person, so I don't. Um, I was kind of probably a bit nervous about doing this, oh, as I would be with any any podcast scenario. And I was up. I stayed up stupidly late last night, forgetting that the that we were supposed to talk kind of early. What is you know, I'm a bit of a late riser, so it was like quite early in the day for me. And then I last night I went, <laughs> I went to bed at about three o'clock. And just before I went, I'd said to Johanna earlier, I was like, "Oh, can you remind me to check what time the podcast is tomorrow?" Before I go to bed, went to bed at like half three or something. And as I picked up my phone and looked, um, you, <laughs> it was so crazy perfect because you'd posted that image saying, you know, recording in eight hours or something. Yeah, I know. So I picked that. <laughs> It was like you were communicating to me. That was my wake-up call because I, I was just about to go to bed and I was like, and she said, oh, don't forget, just as we were about to go to sleep, she said, don't forget you were going to check in on what the podcast was. And I was like, oh, yeah, shit. That's... Leaned down, grabbed my phone, picked it up, opened it, and the first thing that came up was that image saying, podcast recording in eight. I was like, oh, shit. Richie, <laughs> this was Richie. posted like an hour or so ago. So now yeah. I'm going to have to just go and sleep and then just chug some coffee and not be... Uh... But then you had a crazy blackout, so then... Yeah. Um, it worked out. Uh, so then we actually end up talking at the perfect time. So I just want to say, I, I, again, I always have this thing of when I'm drawing, for example, it's like if, if suddenly I get a whim that comes and maybe for you as well, it's like 
because especially you have these textured areas where you suddenly feel like an electricity sort of take over your hand is like, oh, wow. Oh, you basically say, it's like when you're walk, going with the dog, it's like, oh, so we're going to this way today, you know? Oh, oh, oh okay. You know? And so then that yeah. arrangement of things ended up being kindred there. But I want to say like, I, Richie, I know, like I could sense the, the, intro, the fellow kindred introversion. I was like, I'm just going to put this post together and I'm going to like, cause I could mm. tell. And, and I just want to say like, I, um, uh, something my fiance, we're both introverts and uh, I can't really hang out with too many people if they have an overtly kind of extroverted draining kind of energy and like respect to people who have like different energies but I find when you find someone who is kindred that even if you're the most introverted person is kindred like-minded introverts actually give each other energy like and I've felt like mm-hmm you've in the course of this conversation, like taken me on and be like, Oh, okay. So, and I've yeah, got, no, that's great. That fits in. It's that cycle of, um, you know, one of us suggesting one thing and the other one actually then, uh, being inspired by that comment and thinking, Oh yeah, that really speaks to me because it's reminding me of why I did this thing or why I feel this way about this thing. And, and finding those, that resonance in meet, meet explaining to you about an experience I've had here or what I've witnessed. And then you, explaining your perception of that and what you think it might mean and then me getting a deeper meaning from that you know so it's just like really cool inspiring cycle Mm. of conversation i'm I'm honestly like and i I always take a moment as corny as it may be to just have that return to gratitude of it could have you know there could have been other uh you know there could have been maybe a conversational like energetic clash but i've just only found like kinship upon kinship throughout the whole conversation and i that's great and and the other and you know the other thing is it can be exhausting doing (laughs) the reason the reason i don't do one of the reasons i don't do many interviews is because i often get sent those over and over again those interviews where it'll be so like i'm talking like a written interview but you'll get sent an interview and it's like tell us about your first when did your first where did you go to art school <laughs> you know all this what was your first and it's like that's cool to answer that stuff but it, it's been answered before and it takes it would take a minute to find it online in, yeah. and read those same things um, and we haven't had to fall back on any of those questions no. or, you know, ask any of those things, which is, which is so much better just to yeah. just have I mean, a natural conversation. So, yeah. Natural is the word. And I think nature has been the star of this conversation in many ways, because it's like, mm. you know, I, I want to say also nature doesn't do impressions of itself. Nature isn't a weird thing that clashes because interviews that format is so abrasive in many ways Uh, and i'm not averse to occasionally but guess what i we brought up the first mastodon related question about like 45 minutes in because that's when it naturally Mm. had its time i didn't force that i we waited yeah like you with waiting for that that moment and i find the one thing that that has been i don't know how to what it means exactly but there was there's something i noticed in the conversation that keeps coming up which was to do with the um thinking back to the horse yeah. the idea of beating the horse on the hill and thinking about that this horse has got some inherent uh, um, uh, knowledge and experience yeah. been passed down through its, through its bloodline of uh, which we can kind of see in this wisdom. And it, there's something interesting to me about the way that links to in Mastodon mythology, the way that, uh, for example, in, in, in the Crack the Sky story of how someone in present day gets influenced and guided by Rasputin and they yes. kind of visit each other's worlds and influence each other and that time actually 
all of those channels are, are you know that that torch is passed down and inherited and, and that links with mm. um the space given but it also yeah. links with the uh <laughs> but it links also with the idea of you know going back to the conversation about mm. myself and john Baisley and florian and these and and uh Marald and all these artists um how you know we're, we're also that torch is being passed down of you know i i about not working in isolation as an artist you know seeing the work of harry clark and virgil finlay and albert Durer and all these people and feeling like oh no this is this is there for me to yeah study you know that that's what they've they've taken that torch from people they didn't come out of nowhere straight no. out the gate making that stuff they saw they they inherited this artwork and it was the artist before them kind of said okay this is how far we've come carry on you know and let them carry on with it and then it's been passed down through the ages to all of these different people and it's just this constant the beautiful like that said the nature cycle of everything just fanning out um, not, not yeah so there's that I, I see a through line in the whole conversation that somehow links something to do with time inheritance of knowledge and wisdom and time being actually uh shouldn't shouldn't be seen as something that's just left behind at this point it's it's an ongoing thing that keeps looping back around and feeding through building on itself you know that's that's where you go into you really into sort of transcend transcend like the subject matter of um uh like nature is is it grows omnidirectionally in in our kind of reality i suppose but then there's that thing of whatever we see observably um, around us is something that happens in terms of the laws of physics and like time space itself, which is to say that everything we've already had this conversation. We will have this conversation. We will have had this conversation, all that where everything's yeah. existing <laughs> in that same plane. It's true. And, and that's, I've, I've had moments where um, there was a friend I was going to see a, a, in like, like the day, the day later, and I had, I'm an introvert, so I sometimes forget like that I want to be like talking to people or whatever. And but I started humming a song from a game that him and I used to play, Fallout. You know the the ink spots. You know, right? You know, oh, I've not played the I've not played the game, but no, that's okay. It's more about the the 1930s music that plays in it, and completely unhooked from like I just started humming it throughout the earlier part of the day, and. And I asked myself, so why did this out of, because I hadn't thought of that song, particular song for ages. And then mm. it, it, it hit me that, oh, part of me already knows that I'll be talking to, to, to my friend. Oh, yeah. And, and as you said, you know, the, you know, the, the deaf turns that, um, you know, the, the horse imagery, all of it, like the, the influences, that through line, it's, it's because. Yeah, um, that's really cool. So it's almost like he could have either as if he was sending a signal to you to tap you on the shoulder or, or, or it was something in you, the other way around where you, something in you knew that he needed you at that point and yeah. you needed to reconnect. So oh, it was just like, okay, let's, let's send out a little signal. And it's yeah. that song, you know, and that comes in as this wake up call to be like, Hmm, I should uh, hit my friend up. And, yeah. Uh, you and Bran, bit, you, know? you and Bran have that same mind. Which that's is... beautiful. Cause that's distinctive. That's really yeah. cool. There you go. And, and, and yeah. he even said this, and I believe me, I, and I'm sure we, we had a similar moment when, and I can't wait to see the, the, Richie, the Richie Beckett verse of, of you going into that with, I don't know if you'll ever dip into writing stories, but you clearly, ha- I just want to highlight also be another mirror is you have such a, a rich, uh, I, I could see you dipping into maybe again, uh, maybe a, 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 you know, writing a bit about, about your work. Like, you know, I think I've never, I've never been great at reading and writing. <laughs> not as in, I'm, I'm not I, not like in a dyslexic way, just in a 
I'm just not good at uh, committing myself to reading or writing too much, but, but I will, I, I, I think I work more visually than that. So yeah. Uh, in the same way as I as I would like to tell stories through artwork, I, I kind of want to tell them through film as well. I think, and because oh, when I, I write cool. ideas for I write ideas for movies, and I'm been a huge kind of film nerd my whole life, and, and obsessed over film as much as I have art. And I I will I'll write notebooks full of story of stories for films, but then if someone asks me about it, I'll and be like, oh, are you working on a screenplay? And it's like, well. I haven't written a single line of dialogue, you know, I'm not, that's not really how my mind works. And it's all just visual aesthetic ideas, you know, yeah. of, of, uh, so yeah, maybe uh, I, I think, think so. if there was another, avenue, it would be something film-based. Yeah. I want to say, and, and again, I just had a sense there. And a lot of the time there's that it's almost arbitrary. It's like producer, writer, director. It's like, you're a creator. Just use that word. Cause it's like, it's exactly, whatever, yeah, it's all the same. It is all the all same. Like the way that the idea of doing it in a moving image, as soon as I dip into that and start coming up with these ideas and storyboarding things or thinking about them, um, it's very much, I, I'm, I'm working on um, a, a music video that I'm going to direct. And the, I'm, as soon as I start thinking about these storyboards for it and thinking about the visuals for it, I realize I'm applying the same principles as I do to gig poster design or anything, you know, use of colors and shapes and weights and proximity between them and movement and the journey of the eye and all of those things it's the same language actually you yeah. know i'm just just projecting it over the a moving image or maybe not even a moving image you know maybe a still image in, in within a video but um mm. yeah it's, it's kind of the same i feel like most of the same principles uh, you know even if i don't realize it at first when i then get a bit deeper into it and realize oh yeah i'm actually using the same color theory or the same graphic design theory to put together this image as I would or for me personally just you know the things I like about this are the same things I like about this sort of artwork you know so it is yeah it's very much the same thing here's what I'm going to say also because I I do enjoy my kind of prophecies a bit and this is no pressure or anything but um, I just had a flash as you were describing your uh cinematographical uh you know mm. sensibilities is uh so robert eggers who the mm. witch have you have you seen the witch yeah, yeah one of my favorites i love yeah. the, the the lighthouse was fucking incredible yeah <laughs> yeah well. the witch i mean I, yeah for me that the witch was definitely one of my favorite movies that i when i saw it. in fact i was here and it i was desperate to see the witch and i had to drive for two hours because there's there are cinemas here. There's a tiny cinema, which only holds 50 people in here and why, but they can only show one movie a week. And very often it's not even a movie. It's like a, um, a transmission of a, a ballet or something or, oh, yeah. or, or, uh, or an art film or, you know, they do some, show some great stuff like documentaries, art films. Sometimes, you know, your big blockbuster movies, but it's very tightly curated, but then only show one movie a week. So because it's one tiny screen mm. and then there's another there's another cinema 20 minutes north and another cinema the other so i'm kind of spoiled there are a few cinemas but they're all small and they show only a limited number of movies when the witch came out i remember i'd seen the trailer a bunch of times and i was like i have to see this movie in the end it was showing for one day at a, at a cinema which is about two hours uh east of here so i had to yeah i just jumped in the car and just drove out and caught this one viewing of it and it was brilliant and i yeah i love I love the concise the nature of that your movie. Own heart. 
I, I like small movies, you know, like I like small stories, really intimate stories. And there's something with that where it leaves enough. It doesn't show you. To, in fact, we were talking about this movie last night um, as a great example of um, the, I, I, for, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's tuning in who hasn't seen it, but <laughs> the warning. In, it, but all, all I say is it, it gives you just enough. It doesn't show you too much. You know, it, it just gives you just enough to start you thinking and, and uh, projecting ideas and, and figuring out what it might mean. Or And it's so much more compelling and interesting and working in the confines of, the, you know, what is relatively a low-budget movie with a small cast. And, you know, I remember reading interviews or watching interviews with Robert Eggers about it and him saying about how, you know, to try and even though it was such a small movie they they also had to be so tight on what they could get away with showing so as in there's only one scene when there's a lot of people in the movie which is that opening scene of the sort of uh courthouse kind of thing going on and in it they 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 had to say like okay we're gonna have this shot where we see uh 50 people in this shot but we can't afford to have costumes made for all of these people because our budget's so tight so they're only clothed from the waist up in period costume because we're only going to see that for this moment you know so they don't have period clothes with (laughs) shoes and things on can't afford them something like that you know like clever ways of being like okay what do we need to see in this shot let's just let's just do that and we don't have to clothe whole amount of people in this you know and those and that can so often lead to a better movie you know all the time having those restrictions on it and then the um the lighthouse i went to see uh with my sister um it was showing in a um there's a cinema in a place called bilf wells which is about 20 minutes or half an hour north of here it was showing that i'd been super excited waiting to, for it to finally hit uk cinemas and it was in there for a couple of days and it was so perfect because it was the night that we had a really crazy storm like no. an insane storm, like the biggest storm of the whole year and was that same night I planned to oh. everyone else locally was like i'm not leaving my house tonight you know everyone else is like battening down the hatches and staying in because it was i'm talking serious like flooding all the lanes are flooded crazy and i've just got a little tiny little four by four little suzuki jimny kind of <laughs> automatic little jeep thing um not really cut out for that level of weather and um but because i knew what the movie was i was like this feels like the perfect night to go and watch it yes so so sure enough yeah we i jumped in the car and that that route is you've got to go down some really windy kind of sketchy roads where you're right off the side of a of a hill and there's sheep everywhere and you it's even in fine weather that road is a bit treacherous but wow. I, I remember on the way to the cinema driving around and getting to that windy road and the, the storm had got so crazy even at that point it was it was dark already before i went in for the movie it was already dark and the re- the moment i realized the storm was serious was i was driving down a steep incline about like 45 degree incline down this hill on this windy road and there was a river of water running upwards <laughs> like up the hill because the wind was hitting the mountain in such an intense way that the water was just a channel of like I was, it's as if i was driving down a river but the river was moving up the mountain oh my you god. know because of the wind oh my god like, oh shit well, i've come this far you know i'm gonna go and... sure enough yeah we went there watched watched the movie and I, it was fucking excellent of course yeah. uh for so many reasons and then coming home holy shit i i when i left the storm had really kicked in and got real bad and on the way home i was driving along and this down this one track lane about halfway back to my house 
and at the time <clears throat> I was living by myself here and there's no phone reception for miles around. So <laughs> if I got caught out by this flooding and the, and I would just be stuck in a field by myself with no way of contacting anyone, no one would know where I'd gone. It was probably more dangerous than I want to believe, but <laughs> I'd, um, I was driving home down this lane. And the thing is, if, if there's flooding, you can't tell the difference between, you know, wet road and water it looks the same you know it's just reflective surface so i was just trundling along probably a lot faster than i should have been going and suddenly just hit this wall of water which was about like three or four foot deep and i remember seeing water come over the front of the bonnet of the car and i'm quite high up on you know four by four wheels and um there was water just pouring over the front and then i saw the the um the lights the lights just started to dim oh my god I saw all the electrics on the car and I'm in the middle of nowhere. So there's no street lighting. There's not no houses or any, any light from any source apart from my car. And as I hit the water, I just saw um, the, <laughs> the whole dashboard just, and the front lights just go. So I'm in almost complete pitch darkness, but it was almost as if the whole scene had been kind of directed by Spielberg or something. It had such a beautiful uh, <laughs> rhythm to it. I saw the lights go like something at a Jurassic Park. When yeah, I but yeah. And then, and I, I was just there gripping the wheel, being kind of going, and I'd slow down into this water and I could just see water on either side of the car and over the, the front. And it's not an amphibious vehicle. You know, I, was, it was, I assumed I'd flooded the engine. And as I slowed down, I was just there just going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then suddenly it's like, and the lights came back on and the car just started to move again. And it was almost like, you know, E.T.'s heart liked kind of coming, yeah, back, coming, back, flower, to coming back up, you know, oh this moment of, God. I don't know why, but it's just got through by the skin of skin of my teeth, just uh, through the flooding and, and managed to get home again. I was so relieved. I was, I think I, for, for someone who I don't raise my voice very often, but I think I let out an audible uh, <laughs> woohoo at that point very loudly just yeah. as, as I kind of drove out of think... the and, and on the way home. I think Robert could sense how much you were looking forward to the film. He started directing your day. He started, he, he, he made the thunderstorm happen. He was directing it energetically after the film. He was still directing. And then Spielberg is like, I'll take it from here. Robert, Robert, you've had enough. You've directed, yeah. come on. Like, and then you got to have the happy ending. Cause the, Robert, the Robert, Ed, the Robert Eggers ending of that is that you drowned. <laughs> Just yeah. all the way up. Oh, yeah. So, so I just yeah, want to say that wooden hole. Yeah, the yeah the wooden horse, and then that's it. Finn, like the end, you know. Oh, um, well, I have to again. I think I've been a mirror for you a few times throughout this, but I will say is yes, uh, I completely agree. Uh, you are you are intended and fated for the film medium, just like you were fated for the collaborations you've had. Del Toro's in your future. Robert Eggers is definitely in your future. If any, if anything, it might be him calling you up as like, I want you to do a poster. I want you to do this or that. There's that thing of us being, you know, before we're anything, uh, visual creatures. You know, we learn to see before we can speak as babies. Like, we're just visual. So, and your your art is so visually um, inviting. And, and it has a sense of there being a world there. And even Robert, you know, he may not have had the budget of Del Toro to be able to develop a... Like, he had to do that thing of, you know, the Puritan clothing only from the waist up because we don't have the, yeah. <laughs> don't have the budget. Yeah. But um, you have that sensibility. And now this turned into something I wasn't expecting. I am, it ended up being with Mastodon here and there, but it is almost like a forecast kind of um, lots of prophecies, lots of, um, Mm. because we've already said like, this has already happened. You've, you have already worked with Del Toro in some universe. You're just, 
you're just melding those two because you're such mm -hmm. like-minded people. I kind of like that. I, I feel like that the, uh, even though we haven't gone through a conversation of saying, you know, talking about every, every piece of Mastodon artwork or even rec favorite records or any of the stuff that you might think would be the obvious conversation. No. But I feel like everything we've, we, although we have touched upon those points momentarily, I feel like everything we've talked about as someone, I, I would hope that then someone listening to conversation or thinking about it would find what we've found, which is that all of those things actually do reflect back themes and reasoning yeah. behind what has been created in that world you know here's my i don't want to put a thesis to it but I, I always say this is that two people who resonate who there's trust in the conversation and there's kinship and is that it will just find its way same with when you're creating an artwork a conversation is 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 a work it's a it's a collaborative creative act for me it's never an interrogation it's never a, a, a stilted kind of weird thing it's always and invariably because we just had this sense of i've, I've actually had chats about subject matter where sure it'll say that on the label but i am so free to just go into any subject and because there's just that trust of hey you're human i'm human you've you have a lived experience you are eclectic and we just naturally touch on it but never in an in an overbearing way and i i love yeah. and this is 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 all things that i connect with and that i see absolutely like like yeah emanating well, it's great it's the difference between also um you know, a conversation versus, like you said, an interrogation of, you know, <laughs> someone prying for like, tell us these deeply personal reasoning behind why you make this thing or what this means. And, and I think as from a, for, as a interviewee, you can, you can be kind of intimidated by, yeah. I certainly am often concerned about, oh, what if I'm asked a question that I simply can't answer or that, I don't, you know, or I discuss, or someone, someone sees through the cracks and realizes that there's a, sees kind of behind the wizard's curtain and realizes that yeah. some of this stuff doesn't line up with what they thought it was versus actually just having a conversation where that all of those things that have actually naturally come out, there's exact things that you, you know, which are, still are deeply personal. Richie, but, if I if I showed up in my Suzuki to your house in Cardiff with a pizza and we were just talking, there would be no sense of it being an interview and we would just be talking. And that's I've, yeah. I've I've kind of struck out. I actually started the whole podcasting thing actually out of a sense of feeling as though the whole genre of it there was just this. It was going. It was like Lucas. Like, oh, not that I'm comparing, but he just said like the reason I started going into this thing is because I didn't see it out there myself and. I just, I always, mm. I, I just found there was a massive deficit of just actual, just human, uncontrived, organic, flowing conversations out there because, uh, and go into whatever subject we will, whatever tangent happens naturally. And it's so funny because all I'm saying is like, it's just like people do this, they just converse. And, and ironically, that's what I've found people actually come to me with, maybe also with your art, it's like, um, is there's a there's a naturalness to it there's a sense of it not feeling contrived or, or that there's any artifice and uh and i love things i mean like again it comes back to nature as well as like i think the most uh, also not not only the best and most inviting and appealing and solace bringing but the most endearing stuff is just natural like the thing that took you out of a dark space like a horse in the mist yeah uh, yeah it's just and so it's, it's so funny that like we have this question of like how to be a more like people make thousands of dollars on like people asking that question, how to be more real, how to have, it's like, it's just it's in you. It's, it is your skin. It is the leaves outside. It is just the honest present energy when, when you're present with. Yeah. Something, you know? and, it, and it loops back to what we spoke about early in the conversation of um, 
about working in isolation and working in a vacuum versus uh, connecting to things, absorbing things and, and actually going out and conversing, whether it's with nature or whether it's with other people, you know, uh, you know, those energies need, needing to leave your body in some way. And uh, the, the same way as what we've spoken about nature's kind of crawling over itself and evolving and changing, you know, the idea of us actually having a conversation is an exorcism of ideas and thoughts which are then reflected back and give us some answers and create new questions and it's yeah it's all very much the same thing so oh, yeah well really beautiful experience and yeah i've really really enjoyed it i'm really glad and i i, I will say like if if, uh, if if ever the schedules kind of flow that way i'd love to have you back on maybe we can speak on the robert eggers show or i was something. gonna say yeah absolutely and because i feel like there's a many things in the and it's especially even more like my, like i like the idea that i'm t- in two minds of it in the, that like I'd, i was gonna say it'd be cool to come come back and talk about more even specifically mastodon centric yeah. stuff about you know creation of certain pieces and those things which is interesting to talk about but there's something even more interesting about the idea of the fact that uh mastodon as a theme is our base level starting point for why we're even having this conversation but actually a lot of it has not even been about that because but it is about that at the same time but it is thank you that's the main tree that it's all coming from you know so yeah um, that's and it feels even more special to have that as kind of even just as an excuse for conversation you know so I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're, it's so crazy. Literally the longer I could go on seriously just forever, uh, like, like, like mm-hmm. uh, exploring these kind of kindred perspectives, because I have always said is when I'm, cause I'm doing Dune as well. I'm kind of going through what Bill Noob is talking about and, and with his, mm. and, and I, as I'm going through that with those hosts, I just saying like, none of what we're doing is any kind of overbearing over-examination, like trying to contrive and just like, you know, um, bat, like really beat things um, into submission with just being too, mm. um, just focusing too much on the one thing is I just say that I think the best conversations and, and, and you know, as you said, it's a platform. It's just a launching platform for different tangents to go off of. And I think if the, if the master dudes were on this uh, call as well, like Bran, I'm certain he would say something along the lines of his like, yeah, like they themselves being that they are these eclectic people who, who don't actually really i don't actually really see the focus sorry the benefits too much on on anchoring yourself too much to one thing because it's just it's it's just not nature like you said it's like uh and i as you said it is more exciting the idea of and and also not many people are comfortable with with wanting to and being free to go on tangents and free to kind of explore like hey by the way if you inform yourself of of this subject matter like we've talked about robert eggers we've talked about you know del toro but that will go into when you're listening to this part of Mastodon or this world building part, or you come across, like, it's all, it's the illusion of separation. Everything's connected, Richie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It seems to be. <laughs> totally. yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you what's ahead for you for the rest of today. Hmm. I am, to be honest, the majority of what, uh, of work for me at the moment is I, I have recently, I've taken down, my my website i've taken that down i did a few months ago with the intention of this this space that i'm sitting in now is my studio but has, it's kind of a mess at the moment because i'm moving everything around because it it, it 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 uh it was also my fulfillment space for shipping prints and i you know i do that all myself here so yeah. um i was 
you know, making the art, but also I've got flat files, tons of flat file cabinets all around here full of all of the print work. And if even though a lot of people might have not even realized it, that if they're ordering something from my store, I'm packing it and shipping <laughs> it from here, you know, um, which was fine for a while, but as things picked up and then the quantities become larger before you know it, you know, I'm, I'm realizing I'm spending more time packing and shipping prints and speaking to customers and, and uh, <laughs> dealing with that whole side of it rather than making art, you know, and if that, and if that takes over, then I'm just suddenly, you know, doing so much admin and, so yeah, it, it kind of reached that it reached that natural point where I finally gave in and thought, okay, I I I, sh I want to kind of outsource all of this and start just making more art and um, delegating some of this work, you know. That's so that that was a few months ago. So I've kind of packed. I, I did my you know the last of my shipping, and then I've kind of packed this down and start. I'm going to rework this whole studio space purely as an art space, so I can have more. Maybe maybe even start some painting in it. Um, oh. again all of my fears but uh, <laughs> the, because of that it means now I haven't put out any new print work for a while even though I'm sitting on a ton of work that I want to put out and that people have been asking about and um, uh, so so yeah at the moment it's coordinating all of that and I've got f print files I need to have finish up and send off to different people and the way it's going to work is I've got a, a, a website that we're making at the moment and it's um, which I'm hoping to launch next month, mm. like by, by the middle of next month at least. So, uh, and when I do that, that'll be a sort of central point where I will still have, I'll have new work on sale, but it'll be from different places. So some of it will be for, in the States, some will be over here, cool. um, different things available. And, and yeah, so a whole new phase with that. So in terms of my current work, I've got, I've got a few projects I need to finish up, but a lot of it is, yeah, getting all that into because we're getting close to the end of the year and I, you know, I want to get some stuff out next month really. So yeah, um, yeah sit, cool. I'm sitting on a lot of, a lot of new print work. So I'm it'll be really that, exciting you're speaking me again because I, I recently shut down my website for the same reason. I, uh, I have all these different, uh, if you go albertkesser.com, albertkesser.threadless.com, like I've got all these places where, which I'm, I, by the way, I do very much want to send you, like uh, I want you to pick something. I, I kind of have it as a thing of if you've been on my show, I want to send you something. So um, I've got stuff with my patterns on it. So if you need like a, like a mug to keep some um, pens in, I want to send you one of those. Just. Oh. That's beautiful. Thank you. I look forward to checking all that as well. Sure. Yeah, and, and check out. Some and I sent you also the um, the link to the compendium, so you can have a read through it. You can send it to Bran if you want, if yeah, you want to have amazing. a look at it. So yeah, and two other things I'm going to tell you about, which you might already know about, is you know Mouse Guard by any chance? Um, yeah, uh, Dave Peters Peterson. David Peterson. He. I'm, David I'm, Peterson. I'm, yeah, he would he would love to, to collaborate with you, which is this idea of yeah you know that uh it's, it's it's within your wheelhouse but i think that might be interesting to kind of do stuff that like that and then also if you like jodorowsky um or holorowski um and uh, joseph campbell there's a um you know you're mentioning i think we touched on graphic novel stuff and it's called sword of ages mm -hmm. and uh it, that's that i mean the space given could show up in that universe so um yeah i'll have yeah. A, i have a few things but basically what i'm what i'm what i am so like, uh, and I, I say this word speechlessly grateful, but then I keep talking, but I am just like, is the, the idea of, um, and I do feel honored, like to be able to kind of converse and, 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 and kind of uh, dive into this subject matter 
found definitely that that kinship of like we could be neighbors or we could have like weirdly grown up together because there's that weird sense of you have very articulate like specifically similar and especially that thing of like I didn't speak as much so it came out on paper in that kind of intricate way like that's literally me yeah. too so um so I'm mm. stoked about the the ongoing thing of if you want it like getting you onto different shows to kind of go into different subject matter obviously pending mm. your schedules and I've got other stuff happening too but uh but uh and uh, in addition the the idea of being able to as all the listeners tuning in now like hopefully you feel and please write in if I haven't if you like because I can maybe field you questions for later or whatever like no timelines by the way did you pick up on that when I was like zero pressure literally no worries like is that something that <laughs> like that's just yeah, it's the only way to be. Like, uh, and I always say this: like, we're humans. So. It's all the way it's in its own natural kind of. It's like I see it like uh, you know, sort of grains of sand shuffling their way down through the egg timer. You know, kind of, they'll find their place event. They're all trying to get through here, yeah. but they'll they've got to shuffle into place to get through. So it'll, it'll find its time when yeah. they both connect. That happened to me now, so it's perfect. For sure, and yeah, no, it's been like super kindred, dude, and uh, and yeah, hopefully you have a lovely rest of the uh, the day and week, and I'll get to editing this now, and I'll send you a link. It'll be right there with Skinner's one. Beautiful, in very good company there. No also, worries, Albert. Thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. A great pleasure. Too great to meet you. I've, I've met a kindred person today, and uh, all the best to your to your, um, uh, to your partner. And I'll also just uh, hugs, to, hugs to everyone and and, and good vibes. Yeah, you too. See you, man. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, man. Bye. See you, man. Bye.